people of Earth. If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd overdrive. I was always a In three, two, one. Listen up, fanboy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what was great about that? We didn't have to tell the audience to applaud ahead of time. No, that was nice. That was Good. nice. But he's they're, not finished. Good. I like this audience. Oh, well, it's okay. Yes, I'm uh, with your host, Derek McCaw of Fanboy Planet. I'm the editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. It is episode 350, and we've got lots of people here. We're going to be rotating people around the table as we podcast Semi-live, actually in front of a live studio audience or a live Seven Stars Bar and Grill audience at Seven Stars Bar and Grill, 398 Bascom Avenue in San Jose, our favorite Star Wars bar. No greater hive of scum and villainy. And there's us. (laughs) That's a Star Wars quote. (laughs) And Jabba keeps the peace. And hopefully a little later, Paul Cunha, bar owner, will be here. He promised me he would be, but we shall see. So we've got those sitting at the table right now. To my right. Jason Salazar. And across with the finest beard in fandom. For all my Christners out there, that's right, it's Christopher J. Garcia. Really? Could you just leave it alone? No. And uh, we'll be bringing other people in, but also, of course, podcast producer and moral compass. Rick Brett Snyder. And, of course, all man in Los Angeles. I am Nick Costa, once again disappointed that Chris Garcia only introduced himself as Chris Garcia instead of Hugo Award winner, Reverend Dr. Christopher J. Garcia. Almost only the last couple seconds of that was audible, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with your microphone, but... My microphone is uh, hanging next to my mouth like it normally does on these headphones that have a microphone connected to them. All right, well, keep them hanging. Keep them hanging, <laughs> boys. And uh, anyway, so uh, we are at uh, 2.13, so which means that uh, we're going to talk about some comics news. It's been a couple weeks. We took some time off as we had other things going on, and we wanted to make 3.50 an actual, you know, a big special event here. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk some comics news, a little movie news. Uh, you know, fandom was rocked this week when dozens of beloved characters were wiped out of continuity. I felt this huge disturbance in the force, but not in Disney's bank account. As uh, if millions so, of dollars were just being drawn from our wallets. <laughs> <laughs> Every dang day. And uh, we'll get back to that. And, of course, television. And uh, Nate and I and uh, Stephanie Rodriguez and Jason and David Tapia. Many people were down at WonderCon, and uh, there's a war of conventions going on. We'll talk about all that. But we, uh, we did uh, try to set up some special guests for today, so right now I'm going to turn this over to, or I'm going to talk while Nate makes the call. Nate is our operator to bring in. I am operator. The won't call. you help me make this call? Yes, our special guest today uh, is uh, an author uh, and a filmmaker and an Olympic. Uh, gold, and I don't think he's a gold. I don't know if he's a gold medalist. He's Olympic an athlete. Medalist. A competitorist. Competitorist. Uh, an, an Olympic athlete, and in his spare time, he dabbles in curing cancer. Uh, we have the man who's the creator of the Looking Glass Wars and nice. uh, the Hatter M graphic novel series, 
and in the midst of working on a musical uh, for Broadway. It's going to be a theme park soon, too. And it's probably going to be. And uh, so we're waiting for Mr. Frank Bedore to come on. Excellent. That phone rang right on cue. Hi, Frank. Frank, this is Derek from Fanboy Planet. Let's hear it, audience. Frank Bedore is here. Yay. The week I've been having, something worked technologically. We're so pleased. Of <laughs> course, like, Rick was in charge, so of course it was going to work, but we were still scared. Uh, so, we are living in the not-so-distant past. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, Frank Bedore is here. Uh, so, as I was just giving this fabulous introduction to you, uh, which Thank is you. that uh, you have uh, gotten four out of the five graphic novels for the Hatter M uh, tetralogy coming, uh, and uh, you and you've written the Looking Glass words. You're working on a Broadway musical, which I can't remember if you can talk about it or not, other than saying that you are working on a Broadway musical. And uh, so, let us have you. First of all, uh, I know you're about to, you're getting ready to work on the fifth uh, Hatter M graphic novel. So, would like you to speak a bit about that. Speak of the future. Oh man, I only have I only have twenty pages left, um, and Sammy, you know my artist is um, is keeping pace. So I'm um, I'm writing the last, really the last, uh, you know I think it's going to be fifteen to twenty pages, and I'm going to deliver those to Sammy this week, and then I'm going to send it off to the letterer, and that will wrap up what basically started ten years ago. Uh, and uh, probably on the 10th anniversary, it'll be um, it'll be coming out. Matter of fact, it will be. I'm just realizing right now that uh, it was 2005 that I started with the first uh, installment with Ben Templesmith, and so by the time this is finished and ready to be published, it'll be um, you know December uh, you know uh, this year. So okay. really close, 10 years. Yeah. So that's where it's at. Do we have a title for this fifth one? Yes, it's called The Love of Wonder. You know, all the titles, um, all of them have uh, wonder in the title. It started with Far From Wonder, Mad With Wonder, The Nature of Wonder, um, Zen Zen of Wonder, wonder, and now The uh, Love of Wonder. And, um, you know, I I don't know if I told you last time, but the point of this whole five books is to introduce Hatter's long-lost brother, and uh, it's really a Cain and Abel story, and it's the both sides of uh, love, love and hate, and um, it plays out uh, in in this uh, final final ver- this final chapter. And the character of Dalton Hatter's brother has only been introduced in the uh, graphic novel, which is why it's been really satisfying to introduce a new character and then to see this. Um, a hatter, you know, deal with a different dimension of his life, and then have this conflict resolved in the final, in the final version, which is, by the way, off page of one of the chapters in the Looking Glass Wars. So, in the Looking Glass Wars, you would read, you would read an action sequence with two characters, Alice and, and Dodge, are, are, are whisked away um, uh, in a in a carriage. And then right behind them, the two brothers, the shadows cross, and the brothers are confronted with each other. So it's a, it's a crisscrossing uh, story, which makes it, you know, really interesting to write uh, and keeps it interesting after, you know, what in essence is 10 years. Well, and it's 10 years for the graphic novel series, and how long then with, with dealing with uh, the Looking Glass Wars themselves before that? Yeah, I mean, this has been a major chunk of your life. 
uh, and you're bringing it to, to a close, or are you going to continue finding corners of the Wonderland universe? You know, um, I, well, to answer the first question um, first, it was uh, I started in 2000, so I worked on my novel, my first novel for five years, and then that published in the States in 2006. Um, and um, I remember I uh, was having lunch with uh, Mike uh, Magnola, and I uh, was asking about Hellboy, and I said, how come you haven't established another, you know, another franchise? And he said, because every time inadvertently I'm driving or I'm taking a shower or I'm on, in a plane, I think about a character or a secondary character, and I come up with another idea, and it's just part of my DNA, and it just comes out, and I just want to keep working on it. And uh, I found that to be true. It's, I've been working on it for so long, it's like, you know, one of my children. And so I keep wanting to nurture it and hope that, uh, you know, my kid gets into a good college and uh, <laughs> earns a job one day. So, so uh, you know, I'm still oh, trying to get that house into a good college. <laughs> yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, so um, I, have been, I have been working on some additional stories. I wrote, well, I co I've been co-writing um, um, with uh, fe uh, fellow comic book writers, and I've written two um, scripts that follow the, um, the prose, follow the timeline of Arch Enemy. And then a friend of mine had an idea to put Hatter in contemporary life. And so oh, okay. I've, I've, been, I've been working on that, and um, I'm just trying to decide on if I want to use a new artist or what the approach and what the sequencing and what the timing might be. But, you know, having, um, having co-writers has been able to uh, allow me to do some of the other things, you know, in my life, like work on a musical and this movie I'm producing, and get more work out and, um, and share my sandbox with other people. It's really been, uh, it's really been quite extraordinary to see uh, other artists get inspired. So, um, yeah, which was the point of... Your series, mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's great that you're feeding that. Let me back up a moment because I think you dropped a, a little something there. You're producing a movie, Automatic Pictures is present, uh, which is your company. I, I am. I uh, I am producing a movie at Warner Brothers um, called The Juliet. Um, it's based on an Alfred Bester short story called Fondly Fahrenheit, which was one of his best stories, by the way. Absolutely wonderful. Oh, you, that is oh, really? uh, that is our commentator Chris Garcia, who is big in SF fandom. So uh, he perked up. You woke awesome. him up. Thank you. Yeah, Bester is Bester awesome. is one of those guys who I read when I really want to remind myself that there is good fiction still out there, written in the. Oh well, that, that's terrific. I'm a, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Stars My Destination and Demolish oh. Man, and um, and uh, you know I've been working on this. I've been working on this story for so long, and I've always loved it. Um, I hired Henry Bean, who's a big writer, and um, he did a great draft. And we recently hired um, Paul Haggis, you know, who did Crash and Million Dollar Baby. And wow. I have never seen Chris's jaw drop. I just did. Wow. Nicely done, Brink. <laughs> Very well done. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll tell you something else that's really exciting is we um, have Rupert Sanders, who directed Snow White and the Huntsman. And i got to tell you something. He is so, so crazy talented. And I mean, more talented than that movie suggests. That movie was fantastic, but he's yeah. so smart when it comes to story. And I didn't, I, I mean, I realized when I met him, um, because he told me that science fiction was his favorite genre, and I have seen him take this material and really, you know, will it into existence. But what I mean by that is really elevate it to a place that's 
just not action science fiction, but real, but it's very human, by the way. It's basically a love story, and uh, it takes place in the near future. But it's it's just really, it's, it's so exciting, because I have all these great talents working on it, and um, I'm really proud of it. So we hope to start shooting in the fall, and we've been hiring you know, production designers, and we hired a line producer, and, you know, we're just putting the movie together, so it's okay. still, uh, it's still six months away from, there's a lot of pre-production to do, a lot of world creation to do. Well, I know, I know out. a lot of people at this table who, uh, could use the work, so I'm just saying, if you yeah. want to bring it <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you've already okay, sold good. at least two tickets. And people, <laughs> I'm going to see it twice. necessarily. Oh, and, 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 and Nate, who's uh, actually in Valencia right now. So, who <laughs> called you? So. You're at the table, Nate. You're at the table virtually. So, this is the modern <laughs> The <world>. virtual table. <laughs> uh, do you cool. have a table in front of me? <laughs> so, you know, uh, the other thing at, at WonderCon, and I think you've done this at Comic-Con as well, the, the big, uh, one of the panels that you were on was, uh, the making new readers, and I think for those who, uh, you know, we take for granted we bring you on because Rick and I in particular are longtime fans of your work, um, but uh, Looking Glass Wars, what, after I started reading it, uh, what um, I, I shouldn't say surprised me, just was interesting when I would walk around campus with the book and kids would tell me, oh, you're reading that. I love that book. How many kids have already found it? So you are definitely, you know, one of those reaching out at, at the uh, forefront of you know, getting into making kids uh, interested in reading. It sounds like, like like some sort of horrible thing, making them read. Um, but but you're doing a lot of work in with education, trying to get that get to do. Do you you know how how much time are you spending like going into schools? Well, well, the thing is, it's so. I mean, first off, I mean, kids they're they're the early adapters, and it's obviously a young adult novel. So you know, to stand in front of um, 300, 400 kids and talk about your book is really a great opportunity and really important, but to reach kids, to get kids excited about reading, you know, you'll have the readers, they'll check it out, but it's the other kids that are not on the fence who would rather play a video game or do something else. So I really work at um, engaging them, one, in terms of this, the oral storytelling. I just I excite them by the way that I talk about it and my sort of passion for it, but then the artwork and all these great artists that I've used, that becomes another portal for kids. And then the comic books or the graphic novels, you know, for some of the reluctant readers, that's a way for them to touch the story and maybe engage in different aspects of it. So, um, you know, and, and then at the end of it, at the end of after I feel like I have them on my side and that we're contemporaries and we're just talking and they're coming up and interacting, I talk about storytelling and all the ways that they can be a part of storytelling, whether it's writing in their journals or being an artist or, um, you know, the people that do posters for movies or writing graphic novels or writing prose books. And then, you know, all these different ways. And it's all about telling stories. And so in some way, shape, or form in your life, you're going to be telling a story. So here are some of the reasons and exciting ways that you can have a career and, um, and uh, you might aspire to. So, um, and then what I show them is, I have this PowerPoint, and I show them the letter that I got from my publisher. And so I handed them in my manuscript, and I get this three-page letter. And I said, this is what happens when you get published. They send you this letter. And I say, look at all the nice things they're saying about me. You really start to feel good. I mean, you know, your ego is stroked. I go, but what they don't tell you is they're going to send you a follow-up letter that's much, much longer. For instance, look, here's the first page of my book. 
And this thing is loaded with red comments. And in the red comments are their notes, the changes they would like. And so the first page, which is only one paragraph, has four or five notations. The next page, from top to bottom, they're notating all of the changes. I said, by the way, see all those red marks? That, that's not good news. And it's 400 pages of work that I have wait, to do. Wait a minute. You're but actually teaching read... children how to handle criticism, too? Or how to give <laughs> up? You're crazy. <laughs> Truly, he is the Quizak Tatarak. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, so I had to rewrite this thing endless times. And, um, and that's why, because they always wanted to know why it took so long. Because I told them my first book took five years. And they're like, that's like half their life. And then I'm like, yeah, it's not, uh, so, it's not so easy, but... So you're basically saying, um, study your math, kids. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So anyway, I, I try to do that at the end, but I really want them on my side before I get to that point. So, and then the, to answer your question, I, I, I see about 10,000 kids a year. So I do a lot of middle school visits. So I try and get out there a lot. That's but at, at Comic-Con, you brought that up. At WonderCon, there were kids walking by really quickly with their parents or their friend, and they would see the cover of my book, and I could hear them say to their friends, oh, I read that in I read that in middle school, and then, you know, they're teenagers now, and they're just walking on right on past. I'm like, hey, 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 I heard that. Come on back here, you know? So uh, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have an audience. It's nice to have an audience at Comic-Con that brings new readers um, over to my booth, and, you know, we get to know each other, and, you know, they check out my book. So yeah, that's it's great. nonstop, my friend. It's nonstop. <laughs> so, the flesh. So, Frank, I had a question uh, just because I have a very, you know, very interested in what goes on in Kickstarter, and I think you had a very successful Kickstarter experience with the fourth book, right? Uh, I did. I did the fourth book and the uh, fifth book. I did, I've done two of them now. Okay, so the, so I'm sorry, I've lost track of the number of books. I'm sorry. So, well, Zen of Wonder, um, I did. I was, you know, I did a Kickstarter campaign for the printing, so I was almost finished. Right. And um, and so I did a Kickstarter campaign, and within six weeks. I, or eight weeks, I delivered. I delivered the book, right? And then, and then last, earlier in the year, last year, when did I finish? In January, I guess I did the um, for my new book, uh, Love of Wonder, and but I I only had a few sample pages, so I have had to write the whole book and and do all the art. So that's so like you, an eight month process. Is that a model that gives you additional control over it? Are you enjoying using that? You know, it's really it's really satisfying because it's a, kind of a different um, it's a different engagement and there's a, a little bit deeper engagement and the and the people that come to Comic Con and they shake my hand and they say oh I participated in the Kickstarter campaign there's a leap of faith that uh, is, is different and you know I, I I was trying to explain this to my mother my mother said why would anybody give you money online. <laughs> I'm going to say, Thanks, why Mom. would anybody try to explain it to their mother? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, it was, she goes, are you scamming people? I go, Mom, what are you talking about? I go, Mom, it's like your credit card at, you know, at Target. Do you ever buy anything online? It's the same thing. They're just buying it online, and then I promise I'm going to send it to them. Uh, she could not wrap her arms around because it was, you know, I raised almost $40,000. Yeah, wow. And uh, she just, you're right. I don't know why I'm trying to explain it to you. I don't know why I'm trying to explain it to them. Are I'm we actually brothers? Now, Do we okay? have the same mother? That's amazing. <laughs> you're the more successful brother. I already have one of them. Anyway, I, um, I was saying it's a deeper engagement with the readers that are early adapters, and that's meaningful 
you know, on a lot of levels for, uh, for creators. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Um, and so uh, you're looking for, let's just, we'll, we'll cap with this, that uh, Love of Wonder is shooting for a December 2014 release, or are you going to do the January, February, uh, you know, early 2015? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm a little, uh, I promised on the Kickstarter that I would deliver to people in the fall, um, October, November. So I think what I'm going to do is, uh, depending on how the printing works out, uh, I think I'll deliver to those folks and then maybe wait till after the holidays and uh, and have it the first quarter of 2015. Okay, for, but for those I, who were not I, on I, Kickstarter. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about that, but I'm not 100% sure. It just depends. That's on, in um, keeping with 900% of the Kickstarter projects. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I don't mind, you know, because those that backed you early deserve yep. that yeah. little extra something. Although I do think that a Kickstarter for October, November is December. So, oh, okay. It's a time zone. Kickstarter the English dictionary, <laughs> yes, you would say. Yes, well, you know, the last time I delivered right on time, but I didn't have as, uh, I wasn't as ambitious. I didn't have as many extras and packages. So, you know, I'm doing a glow-in-the-dark um, box that you can put all five of your yeah. books in. And, and I started to think that through, like, okay, glow-in-the-dark <laughs> box. How do I make it not radioactive? Okay. <laughs> or how do I make it radioactive? <laughs> Track my li- my readers uh, at all times. Okay. Anyway, well, we'll see. But um, that's the plan, and um, and uh, sticking to it. All right. Well, great, uh, Frank. We thank you for your time and, and taking some time out on a Sunday afternoon and joining us to celebrate our three fiftieth. And uh, you know, we're looking forward to Love of Wonder. And whatever other projects you have in the offing, we'll have you back. We'll and we'll do what we can to promote because we remain fans. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you guys. Frank Benor, everyone. Thanks, Frank. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care. All right, cheers. Bye, bye. All right, and we'll have. Okay, let's see. Nate, did you stay on? Yes, I'm still here. That's absolutely amazing. Technology. It's amazing. It's science. Something's going to go wrong. Don't You're worry. now in charge of Skype, Nate. You're Shut up, Salazar. <laughs> <laughs> Could you say that again, but just without anybody in the background? Say it. Shut up, Salazar. There we go. And Nate. there's your title. I needed right that. I need You're welcome. Thanks, saying. Nate. Love yeah, you, too. So 350, shut up, Salazar. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, if you could get that as a little soundbite for his uh, wife to use oh, on yeah. her soundboard uh, from time to time. My wife, I want it. <laughs> I want that for my phone. Oh, okay, that's what you're ring. Okay. <laughs> I want it to play every time I open a door at a supermarket. <laughs> yes. Shut up, Salazar. Shut up. How about some celery? Okay, uh, anyway. Eat a vegetable for a moment, you know. You uh, eat a vegetable, Mr. Yeah. Corn Dog Mustard Ketchup Mash. Corn Dog this is the linguista corn dog, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, piece de resistance. I know what it is. I know it's it is. usually much longer. That's what she said. <laughs> hey. I get that. Oh. Well played. Mm. You've earned a cookie. You have to provide it yourself. No, no, he'll no, don't. He'll eat it. <laughs> okay. We have no cookies today. I'm sorry. No cookies. No cookies for you. So, What's up next? Let's talk about some comics news, shall we? Let's do that. Which is that. Uh, I think uh, we missed in our in our hiatus that Comixology had been sold to Amazon. Maybe we mentioned it very early. It happened the, during our hiatus. So yeah, kind of. that a- Amazon has p- purchased Comixology, which I would say are we safe to say it's the number one method of um, 
digital comics. It may be the only method of digital comics. Soon, more or less, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they made the move over the weekend. Of, Actually, to put it in perspective, if do. you buy comics from DC or Marvel through through an iPad or an iPhone app, mm-hmm. you're buying through Comixology because that's their app and that that's their their mechanism. So, although apparently uh, you still can buy through the DC app and the Marvel app through iTunes, but but that's still going through Comixology's plumbing and app. It's just right. rebranded. But their main central app has now. Um, they invalidated it, basically, and said you can go on to the iTunes store and get a new app yep. that will now, helpfully, not allow you to buy comics through iTunes. Uh, well. So, well. You can't buy through your device. You have to buy on the, com- on the, the computer interface. And the that's website. because of Apple's restriction of trade, mm-hmm. yeah. that they do not allow anyone to, bu- to sell things through applications without them getting a sweet, sweet hunk of money. For doing nothing. Well, and there's also been an issue with, uh, in particular with Marvel, with uh, the Miracle Man reprints, mm-hmm. where there's been some censorship on the digital side because of, really? of Apple's restrictions. Yeah, just the occasional, if I if I may say, there are children in the audience, but uh, uh, the, the occasional, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to Mel Brooks and high anxiety, the occasional balloons being covered uh, where they were not in the original uh, well they had that they had perhaps the uh, there was a notorious uh, issue of saga oh Oh, right right right. with the very small postage stamp sizes uh, pictures uh, commemorating um, homosexuality yes we call them commemorating they're postage stamps (laughs) by the way uh, on the the on the subject of saga uh, nominated for two Hugos this year yep Fiona Staples, if she doesn't win for Best Professional Artist, I will be very, very, gonna show very, up this very time? upset. I hope so. Yeah. I so hope Wonderful so. Wonderful artist, but let's get back to Comicsology, which That's is it. the effect. No, and it's a, the, mm-hmm. nominated for an Eisner as well for Ongoing, yeah. which is my next thing to talk about Eisners. But uh, th- there's this, this impact now that people, uh, in exchange, however, I've got to give mm-hmm. Comicsology this. They gave everybody who was a subscriber to Comicsology a $5 gift certificate to... Uh, to purchase books as a little, you know, thank you for sticking with us, and sorry if we're messing things up. I haven't for gotten you. that mail yet. You didn't get the email telling you? Not yet. No, I did. Oh, and I, I haven't bought anything digitally in in like a year. Oh, no. I got that email too, and I don't think I've ever actually purchased anything digitally. I've only gone for hey, free. Maybe stuff. I'll have to check my a junk few, mail. A few listeners did. Well, you know, you're a troublemaker. I am. I was going to say, they just don't like you, You got an email saying, we're giving everybody else $5 and you're paying for it. So please, submit to us $50,000. You'd think they'd fear me by now. Yeah, You know, I hadn't seen uh, the Comixology iPad app until just now when I was looking over your shoulder. Um, (laughs) Literally. um, I'm surprised you knew what an iPad was. I'm a little little bit impressed, actually. Because I... I actually sampled it. Uh, well, there's a poll quote for you. Yeah, I actually Chris, sampled it. Chris on Garcia, my, I'm a little bit impressed. Yeah, on my laptop uh, ages ago, and I wasn't particularly impressed with how it was presented. The on the iPad version, it looks a hundred times better. Oh, yeah, they've done it's. It's we've covered that on the podcast quite a bit. I know. I'm just saying. This yeah. is the first time I've seen it. And it's it it's basically the same as it was before. They've just made some changes to the way you purchase. There's no stuff. longer an interface to go directly to. Yeah, which makes sense. It does. Yeah. And as I was saying earlier, for me on my phone, it's too small for me to read anyway. Yeah. So I need to go back to the computer anyway. Yeah. And I've actually used the computer interface for it for reading it on screen on a computer is better now too. Oh wow. Oh, that's good. It's actually very usable. Well, now I might have to subscribe. Well, there we go. We've. 
We've changed Chris here, if nothing Subscribe else. Subscribe is a little yeah. bit of a misnomer. You, you, yeah. can, you can buy individual issues. You, you just have to do commerce with them. Right, yeah. I should say customer is, a better, customer. Uh, customer is a better word than subscriber. Yeah, but that doesn't sound good. I'm going to have to customer it. What? You have to buy it. Yeah, you have to buy it. I, you know. Oh, okay. Well, uh, the Eisner nominations came out uh, a week and a half ago, and so... I, I just wanted to note, and I and I did on I have the list here, but as I I don't think we need necessarily to go over because there's a lot of things. There are a lot of great things on there. A lot of great things, but a lot of things people haven't heard of. Yeah. And um, one of the things I find interesting at a time when uh, I am hearing uh, that, the, that the sales reports from Diamond are coming in that Marvel and DC are still controlling the market. Or not control. They they have the majority of the market share, mm-hmm. but it's actually shrinking. Yeah. And more and more of the market share is going to books like Saga, uh, to to books from Image. Uh, I just you know heard from um, uh, Elusive that uh, East of West, which of course Nate and Rick mm-hmm. and I all love, uh, East of West sells a hundred copies a month, which is better than wow. most of the DC any of the DC and Marvel books that they have. So um, and that's and that's actually selling more than Saga. And what's, what they're finding is there's this readership that sh- a younger readership's coming in, but they're not coming in, sorry, New 52, to DC and Marvel. They're coming to different ideas and uh, different, different kinds, of, kinds of stories that are being put out by people like Image and Oni and Dark Horse. Im- Image has almost moved into the indie comic area right. with, and, with uh, respect and to the it, uh, First, comics. second press. And I look down the list, and there's publishers I've never heard of before. Yeah. And, and what I find interesting on the Eisners is that the few nominations that the big two got, mm-hmm. uh, almost all of them are nominations based on, uh, like, its best writer, Kelly Sue DeConnick, but they list Pretty Deadly first. Yeah. And yeah. It's, for, it's for a body of work, not just, oh, Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. Although Captain Marvel's a great book, and the relaunch is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it's interesting that, that the big two are kind of riding on the coattails of the indie credibility of the creators they've hired. Exactly. Yeah, and there's and one thing about the Eisners that I've always appreciated is that they have always championed the little guy. And this has been true dating back to the late 90s at least uh, when I really started paying attention was mm-hmm. that, you know, I always looked at the Eisner list for what little things that had gone underneath my radar that I really wanted to look at. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Gene Young uh, and uh, American oh, Born. Oh, Chinese. yeah. And he's up for uh, yes. the, the boxer. Uh, what, what is that called? Uh, uh, is it just the boxer? The publication for kids. Wait, I have this. Uh, boxers and Saints by Gene Wen Yang. Yes, uh, from First Second Press. Amazing, amazing artist, writer. Yeah, and you see, you see a whole bunch of things. You know, and look at Best New Series. Mm-hmm. Now here's another publisher. I've never heard of New Paradigm Studios, but they have a series called Watson and Holmes. Yeah. Which, right. Yeah. Okay, I'll assume probably sounds interesting to me, but I've never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. That's, I've never heard of the publisher. Yeah, there's the, uh, it's the, uh, is it the Illustrated History of Hip Hop? Um, is, is one of the nominees that I had, I had heard buzz about, so I looked into it, and it turned out to be just one thing that I desperately want to see win, because that yeah. is the type of thing that I think. Uh, doesn't get noticed in the broader broader yeah. spectrum of comics that I think really needs to go out there. And I, and I think like like the best the biggest uh, DC nominations they have are uh, best limited series. Uh, they have two, but they're for Vertigo books for Trillium oh, by Jeff Lemire yeah. and uh, The Wake by Scott Snyder and uh, oh, Sean Murphy. Yeah. 
proving there. And the most mainstream book that has a that has nominations is Hawkeye has got two nominations, yeah. and even that's done in a. In but a right, very, and it's by Matt Fraction, and yeah, Matt yeah. Fraction's included by uh, you know he's got the best new series nomination with Sex Criminals, which I'll I'll get back to in a moment. So, uh, oh god, I <laughs> yes. So we'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> and that's what we're going to play. He's just talk. talking about the concept, not yeah, the book. Yeah, no, no, like, the book. No, that sounds about, so good. The title. Yeah. Uh, the I got in, I got in trouble for actually reading it because I, I just wanted to take like a look at a couple of things and I actually read the whole thing. And I was like... And they literally, who, who got you in trouble? The teacher took it away at, from I was over at the comic shop in Milpitas and they went oh. and said... Uh, uh, excuse me, sir. You've been reading there for about a half so, hour. So you know what? You go ahead, uh, people. Go ahead and patronize uh, patronize uh, Black Cat Comics because they have the good taste to kick Chris Garcia out. So wow, uh, they didn't uh, kick me out. They merely said, you know, you might want to. Well, you might want to buy was, something. That was your first infraction. Yes, and I do have it here because I wanted to play what's in the bag this week in a rare installation of what's in the bag in which we've had time. To actually read books that came out this week before we talk and about them. the last couple of weeks, actually. So I, I went for just a couple this week. I went because we've got a big show, obviously. Right. Two titles and, and, and kind of limit each. So I, I guess since I've already pulled it out of the bag, I, and and transitions better with this is the trade paperback collecting the first five issues of the Eisner nominated series. <laughs> Sex Criminals is out. Ten dollars. Image uh, offers this at a low, low price, lower than it, cheaper than it would have been to buy the individual issues. So, you know, the first one's almost free. Uh, you know, it, it lures you in. Almost. Free. This book, uh, my friend uh, Louis Stone Cologne, who listens uh, to the podcast. Louis! Uh, oh, yes. That's right. Chris knows him. Uh, I thought that, that uh, you know, when it first came out, I thought, no, I'm not going to buy this. He have we already this. started the game, Derek? We have. Oh, <laughs> and Derek you just started. I, I did it without this theme song. I'm sorry. I was transitioning. I didn't. That's why I didn't recognize that it had started yet. I'm sorry. I was wondering what was going on. Nate, I'm he's sorry. Go ahead. Week, in Nate. real time, correct me and sing your theme song. Nate. What's in the bag? Okay. Excellent. Uh, I always want him to do it though, like it's from Seven. What's in the bag? Uh, no. What's no. in the box? No, we like our song What's better. in the bag? Uh, either way. Uh, what's in the bag? What's in the bag? There you well, go. I think we know what's in the bag, and I've already said it. It's Extra Muslim Volume 1. Well done. Uh, and what was described to me when the first issue came out and what the series actually is are two very different things. And uh, so I started reading this, and I, I've got to say uh, that uh, though there, I suppose that it can appeal to those with prurient sensibilities, uh, the story itself is very interesting. It's very... Uh, it, going in directions that I was not uh, expecting it to take. The artwork is, is great. Yeah. The characterization is beautiful. The people feel real, despite, of course, the strange ability they have, which I shan't describe for their children in the audience. But it's uh, they discover that uh, their, shall we say, coming of age uh, triggers <laughs> an interesting ability. And there are two people looking... They have not met originally, and they have to find the other person who has this same ability. And then once they have, basically, they can stop time. Would you say and would, and then use it to uh, are they are committing acts of justice or acts of injustice as a result? It's an interesting moral quandary. Uh, there's a lot of criti- um, social commentary about the state of reading in our society. Matt Fraction, again, the writer of this, with uh, Chip Zdarsky as the as the artist. Really interesting, interesting book. So I would, I, I, I would, please pick it up. This is Fraction's best written work. 
Although I loved Casanova. Casanova was great from everything I've heard. I haven't actually read it. His best? You really? Um, I would say this. It's certainly the best of the stuff. I mean, I've I've been following of the it. two things that Chris Garcia has read I by see, Matt Fraction. I see. Okay, I I believe I was the first person to tell you about Matt Fraction when I saw his indie thing in like two thousand and one at WonderCon. Yeah, but I ignored you then. Yeah, well, good point. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> and wisely, by the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and definitely he's one of the, uh, he's one of the strange, uh, he himself is not strange, I was just saying, there's this amazing uh, colony of comic book creators up in Portland, and he's one of those up there in, mm. the, in the Oregon area. Uh, Bendis is over there. I don't know why the publishers keep moving to Los Angeles and staying in New York when their best talent is all in the, you know, is Portland, in Portland. Seattle. Yeah, so yeah. kind of interesting there. So, Nate, what's in your bag? My bag contains Walking Dead 126, which is the finale of All Out War, oh. the uh, storyline that has been going on for 12 months now. Twelve, Well, not 12 months, 12 issues. All right. He, he was doing, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Uh, so basically the big threat from the beginning has been the new – Villain Negan, who decides to uh, kill everyone with his barbed wire baseball bat, similar to old school ECW wrestling. ECW, ECW. No spoilers, Nate. All right. No, no spoilers. No, he's, he's mentioned this tactic before. Well, he, he t- yeah. Spoiler free. Okay. Uh, but th- so this is the finale. So they decide how to deal with Negan and his group. Or how to be dealt with by Negan and his group. We'll see if you actually read it. Someday. Someday I will. Are we setting up a new uh, storyline at the end of this? Is it? Do you think it's... Uh, it does set up a new storyline. And the, it shows the next cover, which has a female that we have not seen yet. Hmm. Uh, in some sort of leadership role, there are people standing behind her. Can we count on the idea that Kirkman kills people we like? Uh, you can always count on that, okay. Rick. Okay. <laughs> Which is uh, why we don't let ourselves get too close to Kirkman. I know. So, all right. Uh, What's was... in your bag, Rick? Your virtual bag. So, my first, the first book in my virtual bag. Are we getting feedback out there? A little, a little Sounds bit. Like it. Um, the first, first uh, book in my virtual bag. It was a uh, a book you're going to be surprised I even picked up. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> Justice League United oh. Zero. I am a little surprised. Yeah. I thought I'd give it a try. You know what hooked me into it? They, Adam Strange? No. I, oh. I was looking at this book from the cover. We just hooked Chris. Yeah. And I see Adam Strange up there, and he looks pretty cool. But then I saw Vance Astrovic on the right-hand corner, and I thought, that's weird. And then I realized it was Animal Man. Because hmm. oh. they both have the same costume look. Oh, nice. But uh, I... I it was not as horrible as Justice League of America was, mm-hmm. but it still, you know, it felt a lot like, remember when, was it Countdown ended and they had all those people scattered throughout the universe and yes, there was that, yeah. that one, that one storyline with, with, yeah. with, uh, Animal Man, Animal Star Man and Star, and, uh, and uh, Adam, Adam Strange. And Co- Captain Comet too. Yeah. And, and it just kind of felt, felt like that, which was kind of like that one all was, pretty good but not not excellent and this one felt kind of like it's going to be like five and out 
I don't yeah. know. We're just telling st- stories again and again, yeah. over and over. The only thing that I did not, uh, I haven't opened it up yet. I did buy it, but the cover, at least Martian Manhunter, seemed to look closer to the Martian Manhunter I know. And he, the parts he sent, the part of part of this that he's in is pretty good, but. Okay. I just want a Martin Ma- Martian Manhunter story. I, I, okay. I'd, I'd be happy with that. I, yeah, no one's told a really good one of those in quite some time. Not in a long time. And yet he's so, an intriguing character. So, so. I, I have to say I do not recommend this book on the basis of okay. the Zero issue. Although for mm. some people that might be too late, but uh, for others, yeah. maybe not. Um, I have one that's going to be uh, interesting. I can't decide yet if I think it's a good idea, but I thought it was kind of um, funny. Uh, Secret Origins, number one. I picked this up at Earth Two. Uh, Did not pick that up. Was coming down from coming up from LA, and I thought oh, I wanted to see what it was. You know, I, I do buy a lot of books for the basis of really just checking out. You know, is it something we want to recommend here? And one of the things here is in the back. It says, you know, since the dawn of the New Fifty Two, and I apologize because my bifocals allow a strange angle to read. Uh, fans have been asking to see how all these changes affected the origins of their favorite characters. And now we're happy to say that after three years, we figured it out, too. <laughs> no, uh, that's not actually what they say. But uh, that's what the purpose of this We've made it all is. up. Uh, yeah, it, and, and they start with no particular um, great risk of uh, Superman. Superman's father was a test pilot who crashed in front of him. Uh, no, 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 because it's written by Greg Pak. Uh, no, oh, it's actually, good. there's nothing particularly different about the uh, Superman origin other than Greg Pak tells it from the point of view of the mothers, oh. which I don't think I've ever actually read before. Okay. So that's kind of interesting. So Mul- I, multiple mothers? Uh, from oh, from Laura Ma- and, and, Ma- and Martha's Ma- uh, point okay. of view. Um, and so, I, you know, again, I don't think it changes anything particularly majorly other than he ends up in the costume I don't like. Uh, but So it's just it's just one story it's per issue? It's three stories. Oh, three really? stories per issue. So four ninety nine. I thought, that's not bad. Uh, Tony Bedard... Uh, Kyle Higgins writes a new Nightwing origin, or really a Robin origin for Dick uh-huh. Grayson. Okay. Again, not particularly groundbreaking, but I suppose if you're somebody who is a new reader, it's interesting. The only story in here that I think whose origin has really been changed by New 52 is Supergirl, whose, uh, st- whose backstory yeah. is as confusing as Warner Brothers' plans for their movies. It's a wonder she's pissed off. I mean... yeah. She's got a crazy so, story. Uh, so Tony Bedard writes that origin story, and it sort of clarifies things, although I think it's also invalidating something they did in Forever Evil. So, nice. It, but at least it's kind of setting up, you know, so you got Superman, Robin, and Supergirl. I don't know who will be in the, in the next issue, but if you're, if you're a new reader and you want to read these stories, they're not badly done. Okay. I just didn't think, as, a, as an old fan, it didn't offer anything. It's not going to give you anything. Which, either. unfortunately, I, you know, and this is the reality. At our age, yeah. uh, at, at the, at those of us you know, in our 40s and 50s as fans, we've seen it so many times, there's so little to offer us new. Uh, you know, yeah, and I had hoped with a secret. Well, the perspective origins, change for the for the Superman. I thing would rather feels have seen a little this, bit different. I would rather have seen the secret origin of a character who really has had a major change. Right, and but it, uh, they're probably still working that out. Secret origins did used to tell you stories that you didn't know already. Yeah. Right, they, they had a lot of characters that you had you not really gotten a whole story on how they got right, started. Right, but they were also a lot of. I mean, originally when that when that book started, it was reprints, but yeah. now you can't do that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You were safe doing the Golden Age reprint <laughs> in the 70s uh, because they hadn't really changed things that much. And now, True. you know, yeah. it's... 
My favorite issue of that of all time is still uh, Blue Beetle and Blue Beetle. The oh right in yeah. the eighties the version when they when they had when they brought Blue Beetle in from yeah from uh, from uh, uh, Charlton right. yeah and yeah. that was that was the best issue that was great and it launched a series and that's the thing that I'm not seeing here either is that yeah this at They're least this first issue series. isn't driving me to anything that I'm not yeah. already reading yeah it, it just wasn't that that good but it is interesting so Nate. Next up is Original Sin number zero of Ooh, eight. Ooh, I have that. Yes. And you read it? Who is the Watcher? I did read it. Unfortunately, I went to the uh, Marvel Now panel at WonderCon, and this issue is written by Mark Wade, but the whole miniseries is written by Jason Aaron. So there's a pretty good chance... This issue is going to be way better than the rest of the series. But this kind of gives you a... It's basically Nova flying around up to the moon to say, find out what's going on with the Watcher. Because like they're he buds. Does what he does. Because Nova's a little kid and he wants to know things. Yeah. And uh, it, it did bring up an interesting question to me because I thought, well, maybe since we've read the origin of the Watcher... Are we, the readers, really the only people that knew in the Marvel Universe why the Watcher watches? I think so. Yeah, you know, I, just kind of, I had way. never thought of that before. Galactus might I mean, know. maybe the Celestials know, but I wouldn't think any of the superheroes know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. So that was, that was an interesting point of view. And uh, an interesting, like, no one had bothered to try asking him before, it's such why a, do you do this? It's such an interesting storyline to come on, the, really on the heels of the FF Fantastic Four crossover where Uatu yeah. and Mrs. Uatu were in, up on the blue, uh, in the blue area in the moon. And they told them a lot. They told the kids a lot of secrets and stories and stuff. Okay, interesting. So. I, was, I was, Nate, I'm pleased you, you chose that one because I was very swept up by that book. I... I'm agreeing with you. I'm afraid that maybe I won't like Original Sin as much, but the Zero, I was really, really, it was fun. And the other thing is, if somebody just wants to pick it up and use it as a precursor to reading Nova, um, Nova's that's, great. that's probably a fair thing. It may be interested in, in Nova, but it didn't necessarily make me interested in reading Original Sin beyond this, which was yeah. perhaps a flaw in it, but it was an interesting setup. So, yep. good. And last for Rick. So the last book I have is a hearty recommendation of the, um, I forgot what issue number it is. I had it here for a second. It's the latest issue of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is the first issue after the crossover with the X-Men and the trial of Jean Grey. And it starts with the Guardians kind of scattered around, um, each one being picked off at random by forces unknown, in quotes. Um, but... Those horses are Hasbro. No, they're toys. <laughs> it's more of a paternal thing, if you get my drift. But the uh, oh, sure, right. But it is a, a major turning point issue for Guardians of the Galaxy. Is it a good jumping on? It point? is. I, I, I'm I'm recommending it primarily because I think it's going to be a great jumping on point for people who go to see the movie and then are looking for something. Because I, I expect by the time the movie comes out, they'll probably have collected this into a trade. As they're well. smart that way, and I think they're also supposed to be. Though they should be having the collections of uh, of annihilation that that brings the team together in the first place. Uh, it's it's issue fourteen, so that seems about the right time for a second arc trade. Yeah. The 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 really interesting thing about this is there is a secondary story in the book which has the original Guardians of the Galaxy 
I did see that, yeah. And it's not it's not quite clear but it looks like they're going the original ones are going to go back in time to our time where the current ones are mm-hmm. and have some kind of kerfuffle. Because again, uh, a cosmic timey wimey kerfuffle. They're getting back to the the idea that that things that happen on Earth that kind of dealt with the time space continuum right. had ramifications that are rippling through all time, which was a storyline the Guardians had before, well, like ten issues implied, ago. And it's still implied by Original Sin. Number Zero sets that up. Oh, is it I as well that. that the Watcher has been watching all the alternate timelines? Uh huh. Okay. Searching for the one in which. You know, that will obviate his guilt. Ah. So anyway, um, and again, like continuing with the rest of the issues, the Guardian Galaxy, great, great characterizations, great writing, great art. A number one recommendation. Well, great. Good. Well, that's that's what's in the bag. And there are many more, of course, but we want to move on to other issues. And uh, Nate, uh, I don't know how much you were paying attention. You know, the thing is, when you actually go to a convention, it's some... Uh, it, you suddenly kind of lose track of what the meta story is outside. And while while we were blissfully enjoying our time at WonderCon, there was a huge, huge sexism issue came up that they, a T-shirt company, uh, one of those like uh, shirt tees or, or pop-up tees, and yeah. that um, released a, a shirt that said, I like my fangirls like I like my coffee. And the punchline was, I hate coffee. And uh, so, so these these idiots released this, I believe, on Friday. So, so did they sell a lot of them? Did you see? You obviously you didn't see it around. I did at not all. see them. But but there were enough. You know, this is another issue happening with the conventions. Is there were enough of these? All these competitive T-shirt companies have popped up all around. Right. And you don't know what booth you're paying attention to. And a complaint that I was picking up is that when these conventions ask for payment. The actual dealers and companies that have products that are original content uh, don't have the money to pay for their booth at that time, but these big online retailers do. So that's why they're becoming dominant in the dealer's floor instead of having the uh, you know smaller retailers and so forth. So I did not see this act- this shirt worn around. All I know is that like Greg Rucka immediately released a statement. There were other websites releasing statements against sexism. Their weak defense was that they had one that said, I like my fanboys like I like my coffee. And here's the thing, is that the owner of the company went, well, it's really what we hate is fanboys and fangirls because they get in the way of our, of our real fan enjoyment. Hmm. Really? Yeah, I'm like, um, <laughs> is that if, an you're, if you're not admitting you're a fanboy, if you're splitting hairs like this, I mean, and, and so... That's the ultimate fanboy. And so this is the interesting... I know, <laughs> But that's the interesting thing. Look, at the time, uh, you know, because we've got two people here going to LostCon, you know, in, in just within months uh, after a conference time about the exclusionary versus inclusionary thing about sci-fi fandom, you have someone who, in my mind, now I don't know, but my conclusion is, no, you're a, a guy who came in and started a t-shirt company to make money off yeah. of fans, and now you're going to try to redefine us. I was really bought. I mean, we've we've talked about before. There has been a big issue of sexism in comics and be, uh, in the comics community of of because for a long time, let's face it, you know, a, a lot of guys um, that were socially awkward were going to conventions. They still are, and they're still at this table. And we, but but we have learned and grown as people. But some have not. We understand that. But the reality is that who's going to these conventions has changed. At one point. 
I I walked uh, by the Boom Studios booth, which has you know tables you know in a square around, and the lines were all around, huge long lines to get creators signed. And I looked, and it was all female creators, yeah, which I thought was wonderful. Yeah, all books that I'm not particularly reading, interested in reading myself, but I think it's great that that what's out there has expanded to a point that uh, you know for the children in our audience it was Adventure Time and Regular Show. And, and it draws in new readers, and, and fresh readers. It draws in new readers. And uh, I, I picked up this new book called Lumberjanes about girls at a sleepaway camp who have to fight monsters in the woods. They're, they're secretly being trained. They're Girl Scouts secretly being trained to fight monsters. Go on. But it's done. Yeah, it was a, uh, you would love it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, it was, it's kind of done in a web, web comic kind of style. And boom, just launched the first issue of that. It was fun. Yeah. Again, I wouldn't have necessarily gone to it if Mel at Boom hadn't say, hey, said, hey, you should take a look at it. But my point is it's all female creators. And then you've got Kelly Sue DeConnick where I see a 12-year-old girl walking around as the new Ms. Marvel already cosplaying. And yeah. that character has already made an impact. I think it's great. And then I'm disheartened to hear that there are pigs ruining it. You know, I, I would not be totally disheartened but be, for one simple reason. Well, I'm just angry. I've only seen one picture of that T-shirt. That may be we, which, maybe we're which we're not even sure combat. that 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 guy bought it. It may have been modeled by the guy who brought it there to sell. And it's true when Greg Rucka and, comes in, releases a statement. We all listen to Greg Rucka. And right? when I when I see something like that at one booth, but I see so much of what you just commented about about the the industry growing and titles expanding and widening and broadening in interest, so that you have a lumber lumberjanes, the little girls and older girls can read and feel better about themselves, feel better, more like this is this is something that they can be part of. I see so much more of that well, and, than yeah, I see. And I say, and as a, a you know father of a, a 15-year-old daughter who is reading and her tastes are expanding, and I'm, looking, and I'm looking for, oh, what book might she be into that I'm, I've discovered so much more by being open to these other kinds of, of, of literature and, and, and these creators. I mean... I it, it, it was hurtful that we're talking about sexism when there's like a spotlight on Kelly Sue DeConnick, who had had that idiot store owner at the beginning of the year with you know pretty deadly tearing right, up. Right, right, right. Going, this is ridiculous. It's a great series, and I caught a moment, and I'll run the photo a little later of where she actually saw two cosplayers as her characters from Pretty Deadly, and she'd never seen that before. So I got a photo of her taking a photo of that and saying like, that's rewarding. This is we are inclusive. We're we're big enough that Tommy Wiseau of the Room can have a booth and a career, but not only are we inclusive, and that might be wrong, but we're still letting it happen. It's an area where where truly interesting and innovative expansion is happening, and even like Jason just hung a painting up on the wall of his daughter's room. I want yeah. that painting. Where yeah. did you get Which it? Which was uh, it was over in Artist Alley. I don't remember the, oh, the art. I mean, okay. like she. I, but I, tell him what it was. It's of uh, Anna and Elsa from Frozen, but Ooh. they're dressed as Thor and Loki, respectively. Nice. And uh, it is so awesome. Yeah, it was. A, it was a female artist, and I I saw it on Friday. Went, oh, I'm going to come back around and get that for her later. And I came back like less than an hour later, and it was completely sold out. Wow. And she's like, I'm going to print more tonight because I didn't expect that to happen. And then she came back the next day with tons more. No, and then, wouldn't and, you also say, and maybe this is the other thing about being in Anaheim. Yeah. The prevalence of oh. Anna and Elsa cosplay. Right, right. The groups of I took a picture of at least like... seven different Elsas before I left the center. So, yeah, it, <laughs> wow. was, it was nuts. So, But and it's a really cool these one, Did the ones you took pictures with figure out how to use their powers? <laughs> no, no, all of them were just holding an Olaf stuffed animal. So yeah, they they weren't actually trying to freeze anything. So. 
But I would just like, I would like fandom to concentrate for once on what's good happening. And well, there is be a lot wary of, of the so, bad, but and, and there but, is a lot of good happening. And I and I felt I was at a convention that was very that was very equal. I mean, yeah. and it was just I saw a lot of stuff. Again, the interesting thing to me, and I commented to Nate and Reed was. Zombies seem on the way out, even though there was a lot of Walking Dead stuff for sale. I only saw one zombie the whole weekend. Wow. I, s- I think I saw two. And that was me. And even like when you go to Comic-Con, uh, you know, like last year at Comic-Con, the Skybound booth was actually a big Walking Dead booth was a little right, bit of the right, Skybound. Right, yeah. it, it, Walking Dead was a corner of the table at WonderCon when it's a big Skybound. And as we'll say for 351, you know, uh, Nate and I got to interview uh, Chris Dingus, uh, who's done Manifest Destiny from Skybound, which is an imprint that's also expanding what um, you know what's out there for comics and and for kids. Uh, you know, and so interesting. So we'll have that on episode three fifty one. Right, of the we have some Boy interviews from WonderCon that we'd rather keep as a little separate. You yeah. know, but but again, you know, it was interesting that that Walking Dead has become small. It's the people trying to make money off of Walking Dead who aren't Robert Kirkman that were still trying to push Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't. It just wasn't getting the response this time around. I felt it's very dominated by Disney, and we were in the mm. shadow of Disneyland, right. and uh, that's okay. But uh, it, it was a very diverse con. It was really interesting yeah. to see. And and but the other the other point to make about this is as this grows, and it's been it's been kind of cool to be a nerd, to be a geek lately, or to be involved in this kind of stuff. It's very cool to be a nerd. So you end up with a lot of frat boys who are there on the weekend, just. And they're not—they're not the same kind of people with the same kind of sensibilities. They—they may enjoy making people feel uncomfortable or bad in our environment, and so it's just our job to go up to these people and explain to them the Wolverine comics. Explain to them that that uh, it's not appreciated, and then to duck when they go to hit us. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) Rick's learned only half of Shang Chi's lessons. (laughs) The ducking part of martial arts. <laughs> exactly. Use their weight against them and hope they don't fall on you. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and speaking of Wolverine, uh, you know, Charles Soule, the man, the writer who is uh, not sleeping at all, writing about 15 books and running a law firm full time, is writing The Death of Wolverine. They swear. No, really, this time for sure, uh, a major Marvel X Men character in time who is featured in a summer movie will die. This summer and not come back dun, dun, for dun. at least three months. They've done it before, <laughs> yeah. But they've done it. They, they've done it. They did it in Ultimates. They killed the Wolverine well, character. I don't. I don't count the Ultimates. No, I do. Paying attention to the Ultimates. I do. Well, somebody must. That's one, Rick. That's because you are ultimately on a quest for purity. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> yeah, <let's, laughs> shh. Anyway, uh, yes, uh, they've done. And I picked up last week. How long did Nightcrawler stay dead? Which I think may be the record for longest. I think it's like four years. I think Nightcrawler was dead the longest, so that was good. Uh, And I picked picked that up last week as well just to see. But um, so I'm not, you know, it it is a major thing. Actually, there is one who is dead longer than that. Who is that? Bucky. Oh, look at Okay, Uncle Ben, still dead. Wait, (laughs) what about Red Tornado? (laughs) Uh, no, I think Uncle Ben just comes in second to Bucky. Generalissimo Franco Franco. Although, still dead. oddly <laughs> enough, Uncle Ben is catching up on Bucky now. It, it, maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, true. I mean, you know, you, you, the clock stopped ticking on Bucky. Right. You're right. You're right. But uh, that was before. It's a race between the that that before dead character. You know, like, I was surprised to read in All New Invaders that they even brought back the World War II vision. Oh. oh yeah. Let me tell you how excited I I was to notice that on the, that was the book I, I opened love, on the Comicsology. Love the Invaders. 
my all-time favorite comic when I was a kid. And now that I know it's back, I can relive my childhood by complaining about how the new one is nothing like the ones I loved as a kid. Where's and, then, blood? and then the clerk about Black Cat says, please leave, sir. Please leave, sir. <laughs> so, Don't make a scene. Here, here's uh, a copy of Sex Criminals. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> uh, behind the beaded curtain, sir. And uh, then the last uh, comics news I had here, because not, I, I, these are the things that are controversy that are sure to make the newspapers. This is going to be in USA Today, that they're bringing back Wally West into the new 52, and a lot of people felt very uh, you know, betrayed that Wally West was gone from the new 52. Yes. He is now a, I believe he's a Flash from the future. Is he the black and, and white and he Flash? he is the black and white. Well, he's, yes, he's, he's indeed a biracial. Indigo. He is a biracial <laughs> is he? Flash. He is actually black because they cast uh, on the TV pilot the actor who is going to, uh, basically every member of the West family in the TV pilot is is African American. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I while I absolutely, you know, applaud, it's like, oh, that's good. You bring him back and, and he's black. That's cool. Um, but there are people, naturally, fans going, no, this is not the Wally West. We we want the ginger. Uh, so uh, There'd be another, bu- another bunch that are going, well, just be prepared for the backlash. And it's just, you know, um, and a point was made is, you know, the New 52 really did have an opportunity. If you truly, truly wanted to bring in and say, this is a brand new universe, you would have taken the risk and just made these stalwart characters multi-ethnic from the get-go. Yeah. Because that's reflecting who the readership is. You know, reality is new characters don't sell. You know, they, they really don't. Very few have, have caught on in the last, you know, five years. I mean, which is the amazing thing about, like, what Image is doing. Like, Saga, it's amazing. That's taken off as it has East of West and, and Sex Criminals and Pretty Deadly doing well. All these things, these books over there. But really, DC and Marvel have not been able to launch, shall we say, a new fan favorite in quite some time. It's all rehashes of the same old, same old. So yeah, yeah. What was uh, I, I, I'm Miles I'm, Morales? But he's all, but he's still Spider-Man. I know. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's a good example as a character because the reality is when they launched Miles Morales, and that went in USA Today. Uh, Frank Bador can feel my pain. My mother asked me, "How do you feel about this Spider-Man being dead and being replaced by this young man?" And then trying to explain, no, he's not. You know, yeah. it's, Peter Parker isn't dead. There's still a whole thing. But, Mom, they're killing Archie. Um, and so, oh. you know. <laughs> now, were you saying DC couldn't do it or Marvel couldn't do it? Because I think Marvel does it all the time. Not, not with new characters, though. Oh. Because Miles Morales is a, new, is a new person in the Spider-Man mask, perhaps. Yeah. But I'm not sure outside of the mainstream. But he's still Spider-Man. Cardiac? Still Spider-Man. I don't think Cardiac is a legitimately popular character. He might be a second tier character that you like reading, okay. but he can't he can't sell a book. Well, okay, uh, Ms. Mar- Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel is I possible but still under the old name. So again, they're using sure. they're, what is it? they're using recognizable names. And again, I'm all for. I think Ms. Marvel yeah. the new book is fantastic and I I think it's going to be a great gateway in for for new readers, but it's an old name. They're trading on an old recognizability. It's so it may be a new character but to the average person, it's an old character, yeah. and that and that's the point being made. You okay. know, so they can't make okay. somebody new, you know. And, and it, so what they should have done was just reboot the new Fifty Two, and Barry Allen should have been black right from the get go. Go ahead, do it because you're going to sell that book anyway. People are going to check it out. But sure. you know, when they try, they, instead they tried to, you know, they put Static, and Static was a terribly written book. This time around, Static yeah. is a great character, yeah. but a terribly written book. When they relaunched in the new Fifty Two, 
but still, and even Static now is a twenty-year-old character that had an animated series, right? And you know, had some rec- recognizability. Yeah. Wow, twenty years. Yeah. Milestone. Uh, Milestone. Milestone Universe just celebrated their their yeah, their twentieth. And I, I still believe that that is the biggest wasted opportunity in comics. Oh, the fantastic! Past two no, I, I I'm agreeing with you there. I think I think that that those those books that universe was fantastic. But the mistake that you know again New Fifty Two tried to make was bring them in. To the regular DC universe, mm-hmm. instead of just letting them be their own their own corner and tell the stories their way, and then focus on Static and make everybody else a secondary character to Static, and then not let the actual creators of Static tell a Static story. Yeah. yeah. So you know mm-hmm. we can go off on many reasons of the sins of the New Fifty Two. Uh, but read Secret Order. That's a new story. One. That's a new book they're coming out with. Yeah, the, the sins, sins of the, the new fifty two. The follow up to unoriginal sins. Sin. Unoriginal sins. Sin. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Let's talk movie. Speaking of uh, reboots and unoriginal originality, Universal's going back and reviving the Battlestar Galactica franchise with Glenn Larson. Back. Because it's time, folks. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's It'll time. It will have nothing to do with the sci fi reboot. It will. Uh, I can't wait to see what sex uh, Starbuck is this time. Okay, now here's the, the third thing. gender. That'd be awesome. The only thing I want from this is a CGI Lauren Green. That's all I need. Because that was I hated the new Battlestar. Oh no, no, no! Give there the, was no Lauren Green. Give the ship a personality, and it's Lauren Green. Okay, okay that's okay. even better. Oh my God, you are you know you realize that's in the pilot that Richard Hatch had been sh- shopping around for yeah. a long time. He had a little hologram uh, of Adama. Adama. Yeah. And you know, and they, and he was even with uh, Lauren Green's estate to try to get that so that he would still be. Unfortunately, he's in a cowboy hat a lot of the time. And and six it, guns. It was weird. Makes references okay. to Haas. No, it's only it's only Ringo actually is the whole thing he's doing. No, you know, uh, Richard Hatch's sequel wasn't bad. You know, I mean, it wasn't a bad idea to continue forth as long as it ignored Galactica 1980, um, which itself is going to be rebooted here as Galactica. 1980. 1980, yeah. I have no good joke for that, except it's going to suck no matter what they do. He's Uh, dead. Richard Hatch is dead, right? No. Didn't he die recently? No, No, I just signed the WonderCon. It was on the (laughs) Wait, then He heard you were dead. Oh, my God. You're like like the snake Pliskin of... of, (laughs) You're like the corn snake Pliskin of of Fandor. Chris Garcia. (laughs) I heard you were dead. I thought you were taller. Was with a movie called uh, The Friggin' Mafia movie that was at Cinequest. And so he was there, and we were actually talking about the movie. And, Is that uh, the title? Because I'd go see yeah, the Yeah, that's exactly movie. the title. It's made by a local filmmaker, actually. Um, and it was, <laughs> other than Richard Hatch being crazy, it was awful. It's a sequel to the freaking Indian movie. <laughs> that freaking mafia Well, movie. no, I can tell you I saw him seven days ago, and he looked quite well for a dead man. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. How do you look for a human? That's, <laughs> that, I think you just pretty titled, good. that was the title <laughs> of the podcast. The title he looked quite good for, good, good for a human. For a dead man. He, he looked as good as Michal, so, you know, and Michal had a new movie. So, so not uh, that great. It's a, no, <laughs> oh. Michal looked good. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I don't know if we need to see a Battlestar Galactica again. They need, a, gonna they need another monkey in a robot suit. No, I'm fine with a Daggett. Bring yeah. me a Daggett. Okay, yeah. that's good. I, I, I'd like that. I mean, I think there's probably there is an audience, obviously, that would like to see a, a, a reboot that was actually maybe more faithful to the original, to the original because it's cheesy. But that's yeah. going to translate better. Again, yeah. like this is an, a discussion I was having with the guys from Kill Less Shakes. angsty, more. Well, but the thing fun. is, if you're going to make it as a movie, this is back to that brick thing. And I was talking to the guys from Kill Shakespeare this weekend about how they're no longer really pursuing movie. They're they're 
kind of more looking at TV. And it's because... And again, Brick refers to the fact that we're... Brazil, Russia, India, and China, China. that you're going for an international market. And the thing is, these movies have to be broader. And what the sci-fi TV series, though it had some pretty good international following, it doesn't have to make as much money uh, if it's television. And... uh, and it can afford to be smarter, and there can be nuances that don't translate well. Yeah. But for a for a movie, if Universal Studios is going to put two hundred million dollars, and let's face it, that's probably what they're going to put into it, about two hundred million dollars, it has to be so broad stroke that that you can translate it, and you know, and and that that the language barrier isn't going to be a barrier. Is, is there enough action? Yeah. Is there enough thought that's just blunt enough? Whereas, you know, the, the philosophical underpinnings of what was going on on sci-fi were great for a TV series. Sure. It's, but we want to see, see Cylons with, with red eyes that go back and forth. I want to, I want yeah. to hear somebody do a Jonathan. Fire command. I want to hear somebody do a Jonathan Harris impersonation and be Lucifer again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and see that. And I'd like to see the Borellian Nomen. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway, so that's that's just. I just want them to reissue the original Battlestar Galactica action figures. That's what I really want. I'm surprised that that retro. Who is it that was doing that? that you, uh, Seven Samurai or uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's doing the uh, Escape from New York. They're and doing so many though. They've got like they're uh, like it's, forty it's figures in that initial release. Yeah, they're not. That's why each one's so expensive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a limited edition of two. Um, <laughs> we ran out of plastic. Okay, and meanwhile, uh, we've not run out of plastic for action figures for the Warner uh, Brothers uh, movie universe, which cast Broadway actor Ray Fisher as Cyborg, a character we should have suspected is in the back of their head for Superman versus Batman. We're never going to actually make this movie. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Oh, they'll make it. Oh, yeah, and they, and they said two days ago, Jason Momoa, which is actually an old rumor, but it came back up again, has taken a role in Superman vs. Batman as well. So they're filling in what is likely the villains and heroes of Justice League. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to kind of like back-end all these characters and like, oh, they're there. They've already been there. And they're suspicious of this Superman. It's a different take, but it would be okay. Maybe. Maybe. I I don't know. It's going to be a whole bunch of vignettes. It'd be like a Kentucky Fried movie of superhero movies. It's just a a bunch of little little stories. Why have... um, Jason, you and I have to go make... A Kentucky Fried movie of superhero movies now. I can do that. That was a great idea. I know. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you. I can do um, that in forty-five <laughs> minutes. Let's go. Uh, Rick we is we don't even credit. have to make it all that good. No, uh, no, well, no that's problem. Why, that's, that's why I turned to you. <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> Touche. Sure. So, you are amazing man. Uh, <laughs> well, we can do amazing man. Oh, oh, I ooh. love him. Uh, and he, <laughs> I, I know the guy who has the rights to the uh, the uh, honey badger. Really. <laughs> Yeah, but he doesn't talk to you. Uh, <laughs> the guy so, who does what? The honey badger. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I was going to have a train of thought on this film. Uh, oh, that actually, um, that Marvel is actually now saying that they're, wi- they're, they're kind of willing to possibly discuss being the ones who blink with Captain America 3. They're the ones first saying, well, DC kind of had, you know, Warner Brothers had that date with a firm title attached to it. Mm-hmm. And we do. We really don't want to necessarily cannibalize. We want to do better than they do, right? But we don't want to take away their Just take audience. them on an even footing to prove yeah. that we are that much better yeah. than they are. Yeah. So they may move their date for May, which to me makes sense. I'd say, look, you opened Captain America, made a, a ton of money in April. Move it up to April. Let it come out first because it's the movie I want to see. That's a big move, though. That's it. That's the movie I want to see first. Anyway, yeah. it's but you know it's a big move if it was like this year. Yeah. 
But yeah. because it's two years out, there's time to change the publicity. Yeah. You know, and to, and to make those shifts. So I, I think I would rather see that happen. But I do want to say about Ray Fisher, uh, Cyborg, is just to have a moment of pretension. Not only is he a Broadway actor, but he's an Oregon Shakespeare Festival alum. Oh, nice. So, once again, fulfilling the, you know, you need to have really great actors in really dumb movies. Uh, and that's how they get <laughs> success. So, looking forward to seeing that. Speaking of dumb movies, yes. it's not going to get dumber in June. And yet, we're not going to love a movie more this summer than Wolf Cop. Yes, Wolf Cop. So excited. He's like Dirty Harry. But Only hairier. hairier. <laughs> yes. That's Have happening. Anybody in the audience seen the trailer for Wolf Cop yet? Wolf Cop. Uh, I've heard people talking about it, but I haven't seen it. I do have to post this on Fanboy Planet. It's about a southern sheriff who gets somehow, I, it looks like he gets runs a, a, a stray of a coven, and they curse him, and he gets drunk, and the wolf comes, and he So turns, when he gets drunk, he turns into a werewolf? I don't know if that's actually Well, in the new trailer, they show him get attacked. Okay, so, so I think, oh, I think okay, he okay. actually gets attacked by a werewolf. So, and but then, he right. still maintains sort of his, his intelligence, humanity, yeah. you know. And but he just does get drunker, and that's what he said. And it's like he's it's, like, "You're a wolf," and he goes, "He's all full wolf." Daddy goes, "Cop," <laughs> so, <laughs> and his deputy goes, "How'd you know it was me?" It's like, well, you know, your hair, you had the uniform. But once I saw you was drunk, then I knew it was you. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a drunk wolf cop. Yes. So, um, nice. It, it's it's the episode of True Blood. I guess we always wanted to see. But so they signed that guy up for a <laughs> yeah, three picture deal. If, oh. if there is a sequel, I am desperate to make it called Good Cop, Wolf Cop. <laughs> there you go. And that will happen. Oh my god! Wow, uh, so I, I yeah. Just and then Turner and Hooch. Very very low <laughs> Team budget. Team up. Yes. Very low budget film. Uh, no, but Turner is Hooch. Tur- yeah. There you go. <laughs> Much better with Hooch. With Hooch. Oh. oh. <laughs> I see circular. What you, did there. Yeah, you brought I that back. Good job. Okay, and well uh, uh, Rick has noticed that uh, Marvel himself. When you go to call tech support, well, I told I called tech support on a Marvel movie uh, thing where my password wasn't working, and while I was on hold for the person, the hold voice reminded me that the cast members were busy helping other customers. I call Marvel, but of course Marvel's been purchased by DC. It's 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 no by Disney. By Disney. By, by Disney. Marvel's been purchased by DC. Marvel Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Wolfcop. I'm, I'm a little worried about Rick. Yeah. Uh, Wolfcop. Back to Wolfcop. Wolf which Cop. has been purchased by no one. Over did, there. Did it also remind you that there's great programming on Sunday? <laughs> so. I, <laughs> oh, yo, there's still plenty of tickets left for Sunday. Stay on the line. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, uh, but uh, when I talked to the guy, he had apparently had been a had been a DC support person for a lot longer, and they've just taken over the Marvel support. Wait, my, he had been a DC? Disney. Oh, oh my god! Sorry. Okay. Yeah, this is a nouns. We'll work Disney. We'll get it. We'll get it. Support person for a yeah. lot longer. He was a very very proud support person. Well, very, that makes sense. Very uh, very helpful. As long as people at Disney have their jobs, they love being at Disney. Yeah, I can't argue with that. No, I mean, no, 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 it's true. Just because, you know, everybody says, and when I talk to people, because they just, by the way, laid off a bunch of people that worked on Frozen. Mm-hmm. That's and right. then they, yeah. they, make their, they bring in their people. Everybody's happy. They're like, I'm, I got Disney. It's awesome. And then they cut. And they just got, you know, I think we'd covered Disney Interactive cut to the bone. Disney yeah, yeah. has the best phone support ever. Have you ever made, like, restaurant reservations yeah. with them? Uh, yes. Well, no, I've called, just... I've, I've called them about my annual pass and, and having passes for my kids and separate and they are so helpful. They're just I wonderful. Absolutely, I absolutely love their customer service. 
And so I, I don't mean to be, you know. I, I want Disney to take I, over Microsoft. I'd love, I, 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 I'd love to Give work it time. for. I'd work for Disney in a heartbeat, but I would, but I, I don't know if I'd feel secure working there. Yeah. But I'd love being there while I was there. And that's, yeah. you know, so I think it's a great company when you're, and their customer, I, second to none. Absolutely. I, you know, why they should run their, well, they do have a convention they run, don't they? They That'll do. Be next yeah. summer, uh, in two summers, rather, uh, D23 coming back to Anaheim. But they run it so much better than, uh, than Comic-Con does, you know, so yeah. no question. Yeah. Um, so. Jason's gone. Yeah. 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 It was much better than Comic-Con. Well, and I'm hoping to go next, the next time around. Yes. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, that we, we had a morning and then it sort of um, came back to life yesterday uh, that Star Wars, Disney speaking of Star Wars, and we have a special guest to talk about this because his, uh, his life's work was uh, cut from, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, sad really? Sad life, I know, I know. I don't even get that kind of push. I'm out okay, of here. Well, no, uh, no. Jason, it's, it's either, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, his life's work is either Star Wars or Beyond Forever Studios. Which one is he going to be prouder of? Star Wars. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Uh, we have Drew Campbell here with us, who is a writer for the expanded universe of Star Wars, which we knew this was coming. On Absolutely. Friday, it was confirmed by Simon Kinberg officially for Disney at a convention that uh, the expanded universe, all these novels and games and comic books... Gone. Have, ...are gone. Gone. Although Disney then quickly said the next day, they're now Star Wars legends, 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 yeah. legends. <laughs> so we can still sell you the books, sell you exactly. the books, sell you the books, in case they're better written. Sure. And I don't know because, Which embarrassingly enough... Are. Until last summer, I know we've been friends for years, and until last summer, I had no idea that you had been a novelist for the Star Wars. Movie. I wasn't a novelist. So, okay. What were you? Oh. So, so I, I was... Are you just a fanfic writer? Then no, 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 no. He <laughs> writes Twilight <laughs> fanfic. I did, I did, He's I did, a liar. Oh I was officially published. Star Wars, you know, Luke Skywalker meets Edward. Edward or Jacob. <laughs> Edward or Jacob. No, I was, I was officially uh, published <laughs> by West End Games, so I actually got to write... Uh, role-playing material back ah, okay. for West End Games, who uh, oh, was, even was the licensee... Yeah, yeah okay. it was, was licensee before uh, Zahn came out with the Thrawn trilogy. and you know, So they actually kept the, the, the uh, torch going before the novels started coming out. Uh, and uh, the, the RPG came out in 87. So uh, we, we got kind of under the wire there. Okay. So I, got, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, come out with a couple of supplements for that. Way back in the late '90s, so I haven't actually been doing anything uh, recently. But uh, yeah, this this news does invalidate the work that I did do, um, which I'm actually fine with. So, uh, <laughs> well, it's not often that that I mean, there are few games that have canon in the in the theme, right? So, I mean, the 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 story goes when uh, Timothy Zahn was uh, given the go ahead to do the Thrawn trilogy, Heir of the Empire and stuff. He was handed everything West End Games had done at that point and yeah. said, here, mine this for material. So the starships he used were developed by West End Games. And, and it uh, was more than just the RPG because they had done a ton of board games and solitaire games and stuff to go right, along with that too. Right, right. They had done a, a Starfighter game called Star Warriors. They had done an independent... Uh, Attack a, on the Death Star. Yeah, they had done a, a board game for that. And uh, a ton of... By, by the time Air of the Empire came out, uh, a ton of RPG Did any of it RPG develop stuff? Grand Moff Tarkin, because I know that uh, <laughs> you're just trying to stir dying stuff. Oh, to really? know we'll more get, about we'll Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> we'll get wow. there. Actually, yes, it did. Uh, um, okay, good. 
so the Imperial Sourcebook would would have gone into that. Yeah, that okay. uh, had had come out by the time uh, that came around. Uh, we'll get into that. I'll, I'll get into that <laughs> in a minute. Um, but the 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 source material was used. Uh, West End Games existed as the licensee for Lucasfilm through I want to say '98. Um, when uh, horrible things happened with ma- mismanagement at West End Games, and uh, they kind of folded, and the RPG kind of went up in smoke uh, until it moved on to other hands, and now it's with uh, Fantasy Flight Games, who actually I, I just I just finished reading the uh, latest iteration of the role playing game, and it's quite good. Uh, I'm actually kind of excited about it again, which is uh, nice to hear. Is uh, it diceless or any of the no, weird? No, no, it's it, it does have weird dice, but it okay. works. Okay. It's it's a weird dice system that actually functions, which is kind of neat. All right. Um, I kind of still prefer the old D6, but I'm I'm also old. You know. What was your first RPG? My, well, my first RPG, like everybody else, was D and D. Not everybody else. Well, oh. uh, I was I was a metagaming guy. I was Scurps. Oh, yeah. okay. you had to remember, okay. Rick is the Uber geek. Oh, certainly. Well, it's in our theme song. You kicked it up a notch. Okay. So it's there. You got it. There you uh, go. So thanks. <laughs> the very first one was D and D, and then I, I got, you know, I, I touched a bunch of them, but Star Wars was my big one. I, yeah, I've yeah. always been a big Star Wars nerd, and so when I got the chance to write for Star Wars, it was it was more uh, when I was asked to freelance for West End. Uh, the the sentence that Bill Smith, who was the editor of the line at the time, asked me was, "Would you be interested in freelancing for us?" What I heard was, "Would you be interested in officially affecting the universe you've been addicted to since you were four years old?" There you go. And of course, I said yes. Um, and I got to write a couple of uh, supplements for the Star Wars RPG, and uh, they got mine. Did you get for different author ar- title on them and stuff? Yeah, I'll yeah. have to go back and look and see if you have any. Yeah, yeah, I've actually got uh, uh, author title on a few articles in the Star Wars Adventure Journal and uh, Cinnabar's Fantastic Te- Technology Droids. What would you say for those who? Um, because we can get very minute into the minutia here, sure. but for those who. Uh, you know, the casual Star Wars fan who might be aware of the expanded universe, what would you say is like the greatest uh, contribution you made to that continuity that's been now been invalidated? Um, anything that I've made was probably not invalidated. I did the source material for The Courtship of Princess Leia. So uh, there was a novel that oh, came out yeah. called The Courtship of Princess Leia, yeah. uh, the quality of which is questionable. Title. I haven't read it, but yeah, yeah. I've seen the title. It, it was a questionable novel, but I did write the source material for it. Now, uh, if, if you're familiar with an RPG, you know that you take the, the item and you go through and you figure out, okay, well, this character has a background and I'm going to write the background and I'm going to write the statistics for it and it's worth this many dice and, and everything like that. So I got to write all of that. I got to uh, the so Witches the of Dathomir, um, which are very popular from the Clone Wars cartoon series, were born from the uh, Courtship of Princess Leia novel I got to write the background on the Witches of Dathomir. Okay, so... And how they connect to the Force through magic and their version of of using the Force as opposed to to the Jedi. I got to come up with that. And was that invalidated... Now, this is... Was that invalidated by uh, Lucas's later explanation of midichlorians? No. No, actually, uh, really nothing... Well, of course, this is just my opinion and this is not an official statement or anything like that. Uh, I was just a freelancer, but um, he looked a little desperate when you said that. No, no, no lawsuits coming my way. The Inquisition starts yeah, now. No, it, it, nothing that was put out prior uh, to Episode One was really invalidated by midi chlorians. 
In fact, uh, the the entire whole the entire thing with the witches of Dathomir, where where the idea was that they were just a different philosophy using the Force. So they were channeling the Force through spells as opposed to the Jedi way. Sure. Uh, so they'd chant and make different uh, motions with their hands, and that would uh, emanate the Force in whatever way they, they thought. Yeah. So technically speaking, they had as many midi-chlorians as a Jedi would. Okay. Um, okay. So it really didn't have a problem. All right. So we have also lost it, you know, as, as Chris Garcia was saying earlier, he thought Richard Hatch was dead, and I said it looks better than Michal. Michal actually uh, was invalidated from Star Wars continuity. Our former contribu- con- uh, contributor, still, I guess we call him Asian Bureau Chief, because I think he is still going to move back to Japan. Uh, was, was it Cap- Admiral? Was Captain, Captain Michal. He was Captain Michal in the Star Wars Legacy book uh, from Dark Horse. And so with, with one one press release... He was wiped out of existence. So maybe I understand Chris's confusion then. Uh, and, but then, as I said, yesterday, then the, uh, or actually Friday, on the heels of this announcement, then they said, now we've wiped away the universe. We're calling it Star Wars Legends. And now we're going to release four new novels that are much tighter. And uh, which I understand. At this point, after how many years has that so expanded universe been? And it started at a time when we didn't think Lucas was ever going to go. You read stories like Return of the Jedi. He was sick of being involved with Star Wars. He was tired of it. He certainly wasn't tired of the money. And I'm not criticizing him for that. Right. But, you know, he was letting other people play. And so that's been expanding out for about you know, 30 years, but right? It's, it's almost like being like, like your parents died, right? And you became like foster children to a new family. And you love them, and you love them for twenty years, thirty years, and then somebody I came in might and be said, this too "We've wiped those people out. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Your new parents well, are going to be that much better." That, yeah, I think it is a little too personal. Yeah, <laughs> but, and, and that's coming from I, a diehard Star Wars so, fan. So, but, but, so, so yeah, Jedi Return of the Jedi <laughs> came out in '83, right? Nothing happened. The toys went away. Everything, nothing went happened until West End Games came out with. The RPG in '87, and was there a time? I can't even remember a time with no Star Wars toys. Wait, yeah, there was a there was a droids. Dur- droids was between the, then. No, no, droids was, was droids was uh, during uh, the Empire to uh, Jedi. Uh, it was in oh, there. Okay, it, was okay. in, it was it in. It was in the. Well, no, but Ewoks. No, they had to be. No, no, no. You, the Ewok you're wrong movies. because Ewoks and droids are concurrent. Yeah, it was and they're after Return of the Jedi. Yes. Sorry. So eighty-four. But there was this. There, there was, was a, a year with no Star Wars. There was many years with no Star Wars. <laughs> there was De- video define, games. Define your many. Well, no. Um, so, so yeah. There's many by the way, droids no and Ewoks not in continuity. Not in continuity. <laughs> and never have been. Never have been. No. The Marvel comics have never been considered canon. Uh, as the TV Ewok movies never committed considered canon. <laughs> Oddly enough, mm, partially. Are you going to say B Arthur? Are you going to say there's no Life canon. Day? Yeah. Uh, Life Day was actually brought into the canon. Was it? Yeah, it was brought into the brought canon. into canon through the expanded universe. Yeah, through the expanded okay. universe. And I referenced um, it in the article on Friday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's 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 lots of little things from the expanded universe that, that are going to survive, and they mentioned that in the article that came out. Um, Sinar fleet systems, for instance, they 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 referenced that. That's a West End Games creation that came out in '87. That 
they established that Sinar Fleet Systems manufacture all the TIE fighters and Star Destroyers and everything that come up for the Empire. Yeah. They're keeping that for Star Wars Rebels, which is coming out this fall. Uh, and uh, Compnor is another system. Which, by the way, Freddie Prinze Jr. in the lead. Yes. One of, one of the many. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, but true fanboy. I'm not jealous of that. I mean, that guy is... He, they couldn't have cast somebody more eager to go out and do publicity for them yeah. than the guy going like, I've got a toy. I've got a toy of me. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's I, really I, cool. I almost like the guy as a result. You know, it's like he's so enthusiastic about it. Almost. Absolutely. Well, you know, he's had a rough life. So um. <laughs> so they're keeping a lot of stuff. So I think, I think as we go forward, uh, right now, obviously, it's all conjecture. But as we go forward, we're going to find out a lot of what we hold dear in the EU. Uh, that isn't direct storyline is going to survive. Uh, for for the diehard minutia fans, we're not going to be wrong when we say Industrial Automaton makes R2 units. Uh, right now, that's uh, technically not official anymore as of the, the press release that came out, but uh, I, there's no reason for them to change it, so they're probably not going to. Uh, does Mara Jade exist? Mm, probably not. Uh, any any major storyline change, uh, that's probably going to go the way of the dodo. But so we don't even know if Han and Leah get married. We don't. At this point, we don't know if that, Han and Leah get married. That's true. And, and, and I can understand from Disney's point of view that they needed to have the freedom to tell that story because that expanded universe had gone so far in the future. I mean, you talk about so oh, yeah. where people had read. when you talk, uh, Earlier you were saying, like, I like the Solo Twins, you know? Yeah. And, okay, I have not read Jedi Academy. I, the only, I've read the trilogy, the, the Thrawn, Thrawn trilogy. trilogy. I think I read The Shadow of the Empire, the video game tie-in. Sure. So I knew Prince right. Isor in between. Um, and, and that may still be canon. Yeah, we that's, don't a, know. that's a good question about that. Really, one. because I don't like that character that's the Han Solo standing, because that was so silly. I'm not a big Dash Rendar so. fan, but here's the thing. Dash Rendar, thank Dash you. Dash Rendar is, his, is, is the character, but here's the thing. His ship is in A New Hope now. The Outrider uh, from Shadows of the oh Empire is flying above Mos Eisley Spaceport in A New Hope. Okay, okay, so... Prince Shizor, his species is the Falline, and they canonized the Falline by making them the head of Black Sun in the Clone Wars series. Oh, and I, love stated Black, I love the concept of the Black Sun. Black Sun's and awesome. I love the concept of And Prince it's Shizor. canonized by being in the Clone Wars so series. So things are there. Things so are there. things are still But Disney there. wants to move forward 30 years after the first, tri- after the the only trilogy, that first trilogy <laughs> didn't happen. Okay, uh, now it, no, no. so now that's, that's where we're going to get in an argument. No, no, no. Um, he also likes Crystal Skull. That's true. Yeah, I do. Shut up. Oh, you no, do? No, 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 I meant him. Uh, you like it too? I, uh, Drew and I are friends. Oh my yes. God. Uh, I like Crystal Skull. It's silly, but whatever. It's, it's, it's a great is, vodka. Dan Aykroyd does, does a great vodka. By the way, can somebody get me another drink? Who's and that? Uh, I need another uh, I'd like to take ball. a moment here and thank you for holding this podcast in the bar. I'm four rum and cokes in. <laughs> and I'm feeling no pain whatsoever. You know what? This is the friendliest you've ever been. It's fantastic. It's true. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I've even swore yet. Oddly, I've, I've only been on film shoots with you with Jason, so maybe that's part of the problem. Well, and that's why I apologize. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, also because I make you swear. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, back to it. Saying it's like a reboot, but they, but they still left a core not rebooted. But the books that are coming out, the first one is going is called A, a New Dawn, and it's going to tie directly into Rebels. It'll come out September fourth, I think. Was Rebels the I being the first being the movie new anime, title. the new no, 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 new animated, the new animated, animated, animated series, series, which is going to take place five years before A New Hope. Right, and so and it looks bright, beautiful. Right, right. 
I'm so excited yeah. for this. Rem- I, in a similar so but not identical scenes. style to Clone Wars, which I like the style of Clone Wars because I, I yeah. like the Jerry Anderson homage. But uh, so they're going to tell the story of how the two main rebels, uh, who appear to be the two main characters so far, and you know their names and I don't, but you know. So you've got the 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 green Twi'lek that is Hera. She owns the. She is the captain of the Ghost, which is the freighter, the the, the Millennium Falcon esque freighter that they. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Chopper is the droid, which is the first thing, the first character they came out with is the astromech droid, who is uh, most akin to old Bob from Black Hole. If you <laughs> He's Roddy McDowell. Very old Bob. No, no, I'm sorry. That's not Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell is uh, Vincent. Uh, yeah, but okay. uh, right. Oh, there we go. No, it's Slim Pickens. Slim uh, Pickens was old Bob. Was, oh, was old yeah. Bob, yes. But it's very much, uh, it's still, still beeps and boops, but it's very uh, old, asthmatic smoker beeps and boops. <laughs> Because of course droids have asthma, right? Yes. Because they get old and they their voice goes down. It still bothers me about General Grievous, but yeah, he's, he's a, a cyborg. cyborg. Oh, I didn't know he was a cyborg. Yeah, he's got real lungs. Yep. Okay. Boy, you got kind of. you got you got tag team on I got that one, pwned. didn't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I guess I uh, get to you know, nerds. Rick, Rick, we you have to drink now. Ground. I've seen the we sun. found common ground. <laughs> <laughs> we might not, we might not agree on the Tarkin novel. We don't. But and you're going we, to, and here we go. So I'm going to throw that out there. So first, there's this prequel novel. <laughs> now Derek's going to put us in a pit, and, throw and then, me in. and then, now into a rancor pit. Okay. So, so to, to, to back up, we uh, <laughs> there was there was a, a, a kerfuffle since that was the the big word of the day on <laughs> Facebook yesterday, and and uh, we so were I, civil. So we were absolutely we were, we were civil, civil, and because I was holding off until I got on on the <laughs> microphone. Do I have to do my duck move now? No, no, no. Death we're good. Match, we're good. People, death match. We're good. Um, so not only do you hate Jar Jar, which I understand most people do. I don't hate Jar Jar. Okay. But you also disparaged Wata, which surprised me. (laughs) I I don't know. We got a whoa. We got a whoa. Okay. Uh, Which I've never heard anybody complain about Wata before. Okay. I'll give you my reasonings. Yeah. I don't hate Jar Jar. I hate the fact that he was put into such a position of prominence. And the fact that they made basically somebody who was not capable of of understanding the ramifications of his actions mm-hmm. basically the pivot point for the destruction of the empire. Okay, I believe the, that was a political commentary on Lucas's point. Take a look at our political system right now. Yeah, especially at the time. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, but uh, he's, oh my god, he's, I just he's, defended he's, Lucas. He is such I made a, him seem like a good writer. He's such a comical, <laughs> he's such and a comical and, and semi-racist kind of okay, character. Well, so, so the racist so, character, the, the racist car, I, I I can't agree with, especially considering Ahmed Best was. Or, I, I, but just the the way that they they had him talk and act, and I I'm. I'm I, I started this by saying I don't hate him. I okay. hate that he was put into that position. Okay. I would have rather have had somebody who was had a different kind of flaw, personality flaw, being being the one who was twisted to to do that action. That's so. That's just primarily a, 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 a from a story point of view. This is the Watto. most boring throwdown ever. <laughs> I know, right? What? We're, we're so okay, bad. it's going to get worse. Okay. Watto. Oh, Rick knows how to yeah. make a What's crowd? wrong with Watto? <laughs> Those tiny little wings great. are supposed to ca- carry him around and hover in that huge body. I mean, I'm, I'm so, all right. It's a physics issue. No, it's no, a no. Phys- <laughs> it is a physics issue. But it's issue. not a physics issue if you are familiar enough with the expanded universe. Okay. The reason he's got that gut, helium. Oh, but helium. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. 
I mean, look he at is that. filled with a lighter than air gas. That happened. Oh, oh. You best quit now. He Rick. is actually filled with lighter than air gas, allowing those small wings. I give Drew five give him, beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am so sad that at, at, at my age, I know that. I w- I'm not going to take this any further into the reality of physics and how much gas it takes to lift a small. You want to start talking know? reality of physics with Star Wars and sound and space and just, or if you just want to talk gas, Drew's also your guy. <laughs> just saying, it's not wrong. Okay, it's so not wrong. <laughs> so there's your throwdown for so you. Happy now. There it is. And the other oh, thing yeah. is that the next novels are all still very tightly can can easily be creative and then reset like a sitcom episode. Sure. You've got Tarkin coming out. What a title. Um, and this, this is my... <laughs> it's an entirely I different story. I don't think that, the, that, the, that... I'm not judging the novel ahead of time. I just think the titles are boring. It's Tarkin. It's Heir to the Jedi. So a story about Luke. Kind of looks like probably between Empire and Jedi. Maybe. Maybe. Do you know something we don't? I, I don't. I don't, okay. other than the cover, which I think the artwork's great, is uh, test costuming from uh, Okay, because uh, I don't think, Jedi, Mark, I think. I, you know, I, I like Mark Hamill, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he ever looked that good as Luke. <laughs> there's, actually, uh, there's actually photos of him in that outfit. Okay, I've never seen him. Uh, they're, they're, they're in the brown Han pants and the black shirt. And so what I'm saying is it's probably between, because if it was, it, because I think by Jedi, he is officially calling himself a Jedi. So it, it kind of by the title tells me it's an in between, and it's not and, and whatever happens there can't invalidate something that happened in Return of the Jedi or that we knew by then. Right. So I don't feel like it's really expanding so much. It's just it's almost again a fan fiction that's going to reset. Yeah, that's that that's one of the areas where the where the expanded universe kind of took it on because he rushed his training to yeah, get no, to no, Lost Luke, and, and, and he that's continues what I like about to expanded universe. Yeah. And so yeah. the last book is Lords of the Sith. So it's the right, you know, that three of these four of these four books really could very easily be filling in the gap or really filling in gaps in Rebels. Not mm-hmm. actually in, because if they're, if they're heirs, uh, if they're uh, Lords of the Sith, it could be the five years before, uh, before A New Hope. Again, and this isn't based on anything but guesswork. Okay. I suspect Tarkin, Heir to the uh, Jedi, and uh, uh, Lords of the Sith were probably in the works before the hammer came down in the expanding universe. So they just got a different editorial team assigned to them. And, uh, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, they, I'm sure they were in the works because there's no way they'd be ready for September with the if they if they weren't. But, but as you yourself have said, if I may say it off the record, you know, is that this decanonization has been in the works for a long time. It has certainly. We and we all assume it. So I, you know, you may say it's been in the works, but I think that was one of the first things Disney said. Alongside, they have a publication program to bring a more young adult version of, of the novels to kids now, mm-hmm. because that you know it's true. We do expect kids because whether they're wrong or right, children to say, "Oh, I've got this." You know, here's this book that we wrote 30 years ago, and the style of the literature has changed. What's appealing to them? So to go back, you know, Disney's doing all three of those books and The Adventures of Luke Skywalker as a children's book with Ralph McQuarrie painting, so there's respect. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, is, um, it's this chance they're just aiming at a whole new... They don't care. Well, they obviously do care enough to say it's a legend. You can still believe it if you want to. It's more like Star Wars just got hyper time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the thing is... and. I, most and a lot of Star Wars fans, I won't say most, but a lot of Star Wars fans forget 
But the original trilogy that came out when we saw when we were kids were kids' movies. And the prequel you trilogy. Bite your tongue. Now, wait. Now, the prequel trilogy, when it came out, were kids' movies. Were kids' movies. And six year olds. That's that why I knew they had that big slaughtering. Prequel That's why they had the slaughtering of all the young Jedi. You know what, though? The six year old that saw the prequel, that saw uh, uh, Phantom Menace and loved Jar Jar. Yeah. By the time uh, episode three came out, it was 12. What, exactly. It was plenty old enough to deal with the slaughter of the younglings. And, and I have so many bad comebacks to that. Well, I know. You know, because Cat in the Hat originally ended that way. Is that right? So, yeah. Cat right. in the Hat often. Thing one and thing two are the tortured souls of children he'd killed before. Ah. True. Yeah. Joe is Hill's, that, that, Joe Hill's that doing that the remake. The, 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 that's amazing. And that's is that why, true? That's <laughs> awesome. No, it's not true. Why, I want it to be true. <laughs> but then Revenge of the Sith was PG-13. It was the only PG-13 Star yeah. Wars movie. So, I mean, the, the, so the, the folks that came out and said, George Lucas destroyed my childhood, <laughs> really so need to go away. I don't. It, it, and I think that I'm a... I'm a two and three person, and sure. ignore num- number one. I think two and three work. I understand. I yeah. don't agree with you, but I understand. Uh, the but the uh, the whole focus on on Darth Vader as a child, I think, was just well. Sure. You learn nothing in one that they need, need to know. Need to know I, I'm the Star Wars fan that it could have been three movies about Ewoks, and I would have been happy with it. So <laughs> I'm sorry. What I said it. I said it. It's okay. The other thing I, I think that. I have talked to people who still, after watching, and these are adults, but not children, who still, after watching all three of those movies, do not understand the Phantom Menace ploy. Right. That they don't understand. They was oh, he's just building his army. No, no, he was convincing everyone that there was this menace that he needed an army to fight. Right. And nobody, right. and so few people actually got that because it's a very subtle point inside of a lot of silly wow, plot points. Wow, we're once again defending George Lucas as a plotter. That's good. No, inside of a bunch of silly plot points that he decided <laughs> to throw in on top of it that confused the issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, just like the Emperor. Oh! oh. Wow. Meta Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> and then he sold to Disney. Okay. Hey, can I say one more thing? Yeah. I can't stop you. Where Jar Jar is at his peak. <laughs> yeah. Is the battle scene? Oh, I, I know that is where he should be, on, and that is that is his best scene. <laughs> it's his best scene, except for so, and I, and I and I've made this argument before, but I've never been on a microphone, so I'm going to say it again. Um, my problem with Jar Jar is only when he becomes a Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah, and he has a wild take in the battle sequence <laughs> that annoys me like nobody's business. When the when the boomers. Come out of the uh, right, the, and he does the wild take to the screen. Just screams, his body goes off, and then his neck follows later. Yeah, that kills me, and I agree, it's awful. Yeah, uh, but you take that out, you take the uh, the uh, toilet humor out, and I have no problem with the character. Yeah, so all right, there you go. Let's move to things we do have problems with. No, hey, just a second. I think it's time for a contest. Oh yeah, since we, we just talked contest. about Star Wars. Oh hi, Nate! Everybody else got bored. Okay, go since ahead. we talked, we talked about it. Now <laughs> we was have, there. We actually have four people in costume today. However, I've already, I've already told my lovely wife Debbie that since she's married to me, that's prize enough. Even Debbie's laughing harder than me. Exactly. <laughs> so I think we've got three, three, three candidates for. Uh, 
Yeah, prize. all right, all right. Let's see. We've, so, we've got three people in costume. We did say that. So first we have Lisa in, a, in her Star Trek uh, costume coming as her favorite Star Wars character. <laughs> the red shirt, sure. Well, I'm wearing that. I'm wearing it. Then we have Obi Ken Kenobi. Yeah, Kenobi. You got too clever. Okay, and Jerry, do you have a special name for yours? Yoda. We got a Yoda. Okay. So I think Chris Garcia as Chris Garcia. Do you want to put him in as the Beaver again? Again, he's related to you, so there's no. What? No, he's not. He's not. There's no. He can't be in. He can't be in the contest. Oh my God! Now that's gonna run. So do we need no. to? Con- do we need to confer, or should we have? Should we have our uh, our Star Wars guest make the decision? Oh, pressure! So it doesn't oh. have to be who's best. It's just which do you like the most? Oh well, I I, I have to go, especially now that it's a, a skew. I have to go with our, our Yoda that uh, is <laughs> whose head is now askew. Oh, there we fixed it. <laughs> oh, you, do you get better transmission and uh, reception when you adjust okay, the ears like? There you go. Uh, Fantastic. So you get to choose Star Wars themed uh, fries. I, I unfortunately don't. I have, but I do have a variety of things. I have a, a T-shirt from Magnet uh, Home Video, uh, which is nice. It says Magnet over and over. Uh, I have several novels. You could choose. I would say just you know uh, choose two if you'd like. Uh, I want a Borderlands video game tie-in novel by John Shirley. A book called Notes from the Internet Apocalypse. A book called Age of Blood, and actually an art book. Uh, which I have it upside down so I can't see. Uh, Ooh, Royal. But uh, it's uh, uh, Louis Royal's Malefic. I also have the uh, first Batman Shadows of Gotham from Beware the Batman, so the first Ooh, DVD from Very Batman. nice. So, uh, yes, I thought a, a nice panoply of, of choices. So, just, just. No, he is not. The Joker is not in Beware the Batman, but yes, okay. Excellent. Right. You took the DVD. Yay. Excellent. Yay. Terrific. Approve she does. Oh, I uh, did that. That's uh, terrible. Listeners, that Yoda head is awesome. <laughs> uh, that we, we should note that uh, after after you've seen Wolf Cop, Wolf Cop. on July 30th uh, on Sci Fi, you got to watch the second greatest cultural event of 2014 oh, yes. Sharknado, Sharknado 2. 2. The, s- yeah. the second, the second one. one. Yeah. But did they get everybody back? Were they able to receive They got Ian yeah. Ziering and Tara Reid, and is that all we need, really? Well, they also they, got uh, Benji Bronk from the Howard And uh, what's the show. chick? They uh, got uh, Tiffany Shepes, yes. who we met at the uh, uh, Sacramento uh, TerrorCon. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And so they're, uh, yeah, the Sharknado hits Manhattan. Is that. Mark, Mark McGrath's in it. Usually, oh, that's right. Mark wow. McGrath. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it usually takes a He's just gotta fly. franchise four or five episodes before you go to Manhattan. And so this is, you know, pretty impressive early. And we'll see uh, how that hits. Sharks on a... Uh, which, which Canadian city will be playing Manhattan? Did you read up on this, Rick? I, I did know. not. Oh, I did okay, not. I'm just curious which one. They, I filmed, they, they filmed were... a lot of it in New York. They, did they really? Yeah, they did. They, did. they shot it in New York. Yeah. Uh, Benji Bronk from the Howard Stern Show has a scene, and yeah. they shot it like out on the street in New York. Wow, Sci-fi impressive. knows where to put their money when they have to. Really early in the morning. You got the economy tickets on, to New York. It's not sci-fi. It's the asylum. It's Whatever. straight the asylum. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, but I'm sure sci-fi is putting it. Oh, yeah. they're buying it. They're, yeah. they're, they're buying it. They're probably funding it a little bit. This time. Yeah, probably. They're kicking something back. There's a sweetheart deal the there. Because they know what a stupid, stupid cash cow they've got. Oh, my God. But you know what? Pop vinyl. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the pop vinyl thing we yes. should talk about. Yes. Yes. And that's coming out when? Yeah. That comes out in June. Is that a bobblehead? No, no, it's, no, it's, it's just, just a normal pop vinyl. It's, yeah. it's just amazing. It's a shark in a clear tornado, yeah. <laughs> it looks like wind thing whip around. It's awesome. so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. For, for the children listening, It'll go right there is no altar. actual meteorological phenomenon known as a Sharknado. The yes. deuce, you say. We do not need that sort of irrational fear <laughs> infecting our next generation. Yeah, but it's proven a scientific possibility. The octopus tornado does? Yeah, Octonado? Yeah. There have been rain of frogs. An octonado? Is that one? Octonado. Octonado. Octocane. Uh, so Squirrel foon. Squirrel foon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm still waiting for. Why are we constantly throwing away good ideas for things we could be making money? Really on? good ideas. <laughs> Come you on. You just need to find the guy who Squirrel did all the. That might be the best Squirrel idea. Squirrel <laughs> Need to find the guy who did the special effects and love in the time time of monsters. <laughs> right. I just think of that. All those Drew and I. And, and people and people wonder why I'm not writing for Star Wars anymore. Well, no, it's fine. I no, no, up I with Squirrel Foon. Squirrel Foon. We will go home after this and write it in 15 minutes, yeah. and then you guys will get the call. Yeah. To be attacked by the squirrel food. So, yes, it's all going to work out for everyone. Okay. A garden hose and a hamster. That's right. <laughs> and a hamster? We can't even get an actual squirrel. We can't even get a squirrel. We can't afford them. That is an asylum movie. The hamster's, the hamster's in a squirrel costume. That's right. We're just going to duct tape a tail to a hamster. <laughs> and heck, that's a fun Saturday night for my family. That's right. Okay, so uh, I don't need to know about your love life. No, no. Anyway, the other thing we're going to talk about Agents of Shield Let's wrapping talk up about Agents coming of to, Shield. you know. Oh, yeah. It Man. got good. And Finally. Then, and then their budget dropped again. I liked how you had the one episode yeah, right, yeah, after, yeah, yeah. right after Captain America Winter yeah. Soldier was like, oh, yeah, it looks almost as good as Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah. And then the next week, it looks almost as good as the $6 million man. Because <laughs> <And laughs> we blew all our money on that one that we knew everybody would watch. <laughs> so It wasn't bad, though. I mean, no, it, was, it wasn't no, bad. It was still better than the whole rest of the series. It, it, but when you have a S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, it it's more with character. A, a, a living yeah. room. Uh, you know, it was it was good. No, this the scripts are fine. At least they kept Ward bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they terrifying. confirmed that he was bad at the uh, beginning yeah. of it too. Spoilers! <laughs> oh come on! Oh please! Really? At this point, Nate? Joke. Okay. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> is that what you call? So because we're going to talk about Pat. I got Oswald. it, Nate. We will talk about Pat Oswald. Yes. So yeah, that, that, that injected great life. Yeah. Series, and you know. No, 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 no. Just the fact that he's not dead. Oh, you think he's not dead? Jason, I think that he's. Yeah. He we is that. and has been an OMD. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's a good theory. I've been yeah. actually seeing that online a bit. A lot of theories that... That would be an interesting way to, a, to truly make the LMDs work. I've seen, yeah. I've seen a lot of theories that there's a ton of Nick Fury safe houses all over the world, all manned by... Uh, the same. Oh, LMDs. that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Be awesome. Wouldn't that be hysterical? Yeah, I that think would that'd be, be brilliant. Because in the comics, there are a ton of Nick Fury uh, safe houses all over the world. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, but why would Nick that. Fury staff them with with a duplicate of the of the agent? Nick most Fury has a him. tremendous <laughs> sense of humor. That's you why. just don't know well, it. So <laughs> plant him in all these remote locations. Yeah. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah, my my Go over there. knowledge is from the movies and the show. So. Would an LMD bleed yes. like that? Yes. yes. Okay. So yes. It, often, life model decoys did not he know could they be were. full. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. And yeah. they're they're made to they're made to look like they have died when they. I can't been remember shot. what super villain group they've established in Marvel. There is a group that has some LMDs that have gone rogue. 
Uh, I think Hydra, uh, not Hydra, AIM had, had a number Who of is? them. AIM, AIM has some? Yeah. I, I you know, I had yeah. recently discovered it in something else, like a smaller, but, but I mean, I'm sure then there must be. So it's been established that, yeah. you know, they, they do go, go crazy. And so. for a while, Nick Fury in the original Nick Fury comic, when that ended, it ended with Nick Fury being shot. And, you know, he, his, his death was witnessed close up, having been dead, but it turned out to be an LMD. So it was established really early on. You could you couldn't tell the difference. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I was I was uh, so I rewatched Avengers right before going to see Cap two, and had not caught the LMD reference the first couple of times I, I saw ah, it. Yeah, and so um, my, uh, a gentleman I work with, a huge comic fan, so I talked to him about this stuff all the time. So I had never heard of LMDs before talking with him, and so when. Uh, uh, Stark actually brings up in the voicemail message, this is not Nick, uh, Nick Stark, this is, or uh, uh, Tony Stark, this is a life model decoy. I started cackling ridiculously. Yeah. And so when I started reading the theories about Koenig being an LMD, I'm like, oh, that would actually work really well. So well, in fact, I doubt they're going to do it. Right. <laughs> it's, it's quite possible they won't. I mean, who knows what Oswald? I, I'm sure that he would make the time in his schedule to be a regular. Oh on that no, show. he would. Well, after it's filibuster and well, all that, yeah. All he has to be is all he has to be is a, you know a recurring character. I yeah, think yeah. Needs just to on a regular bit. Yeah. yeah, and and he's worked obviously with uh, Joss Whedon before on Dollhouse. Yeah, because that's what made Dollhouse suddenly click into being. Oh, there's something interesting to this concept that the first few episodes had not. You know. Had not communicated well, so um, yeah. Looking forward. I think we have two episodes left of Shield, is or three. Two, there's three. three. Yeah, all oh, three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think good, and I was really glad to see, even though again, not actually called Blackout. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. a, a villain appearing oh, again, and that that Black Force thing is right out of the Force. comics. Right? The no, Dark he's Force. Blackout. He's, yeah, yeah. Blackout is the master of the Dark Force. Yeah. 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 So, well, there are a number of. A number but of I, I did like it. that. It's like yeah. Yeah, experimenting with something called the Dark Force never ends up. Going well, oh, you know, right. so uh, that's not a good idea. So uh, that's good. We we'll go move on from TV because, of course, uh, this week, uh, and this is how sad our, our culture has become. The greatest archaeological find of the 21st century <laughs> uh, was indeed uncovered yesterday. Here comes Chris Garcia back to because oh, uh, his... this is my jam right here. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So ET. <laughs> Is yes, the great Atari first, first, give your bona fides. So okay. you are a... You are a uh, I am a bona fide computer bona historian whose expertise is in video game history. And having, that, having those credentials behind me, it has been rumored that there was, in fact, a dump in New Mexico or New Jersey. They both have actually valid Part of the claims yeah. that... There was a dump that got millions of copies, and not not like exaggerating, millions of copies, because they made at least one copy of E.T. for every existing Atari 2600. What year was this? Great this is 1982 or three. Yeah, two, I think. Yeah. yeah. And if you've ever played the E.T. game, which is actually one of the best-selling games <laughs> of, in the history of Atari, it is worse than the Superman game. Which and is that was pretty bad. And that was wretched. Yeah. I did not buy the E.T. game, so the, I do not know. I the never E.T. Played game was it. terrible. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, no. It was terrible. <laughs> it was the kind of bad that they write sonnets about. <laughs> wretched. Who writes sonnets about it's bad the worst things? Game of all oh, you time. don't read a lot of antic then. Um, no. <laughs> Nate, did you play it too? You ever been on Reddit? 
No, I never played it, but yeah. <laughs> lots of science about bad things. Yeah, but it, it and they went and they found they found a patch of them. They didn't find like. Let's put the little little history in this. This is a this is a dig and a documentary that's being funded by Microsoft and the Xbox Network, among other people. There, there will be. There Say, will be. This is how we first crushed Atari. We convinced them <laughs> that ET was a good idea. Well, it's, it actually is accredited with having ruined Atari. The expenditure oh, yeah. at that time and and the the kind of the home console gaming system was kind of well, questionable yeah, they, at that point. I can. Uh, I have not seen confirmation. Only one article I read implied that there are things in there, which sounds scary, things in there besides E.T. There's other gaming systems and other stuff that they wanted. The 5200. The The 7800. The 7800 is in there. I have a 7800 at home that plays the 2600 cartridges. The Atari Stacy. It was an attempt to do a laptop in 1990. Wretchedly bad. It's in there. It it never made it to market. What? No, I don't think I think they did promotion on it. They didn't actually. Maybe you're right. Okay, yeah. but at, at any rate, it was, you know, this is the pit of dreams just collapsed <laughs> and, and delayed video game, or, you know, until Nintendo came along and gave video gaming a renaissance yeah. uh, in, on the home market. I mean, I guess video games still existed for, Well, there was, you know, there was, arcades. there was the Commodore was, was, uh, the Commodore PET came up shortly after that. Uh, the 64, actually. The 64? Yeah, the PET was 77. Okay, so the, the 64. 64. Look right, at him right. and his expertise. Oh. Yeah, that's right. well, well, almost as employable as an English major. I, and I was an English major. Well, we're leaving a number of number also ran consoles out of that. Yeah, exactly. Place the, too, so. the Intellivision. The Intellivision, maybe, which was an awesome. Right. It, had the best, it had the best Tron best, games ever. Best version of Donkey Kong. And yeah, best actually. controller. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yes. But uh, ET is also uh, infamous for being one of the fastest turnarounds of any development. Development in six weeks. I think it was actually less than yeah, five less than weeks. That. I can't. So I actually used to work with Howard Scott Warshaw, who developed oh. ET. Um, We're so glad you're a guest today. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know this was going to be brought up. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have any great insight into it, except that. Uh, he was a bitter, broken man. No, okay. no, he was fa- he was fantastic, and he's doing well, and he was part of this dig. Uh, and uh, he's he's uh, not ashamed by ET. I mean, he turned around a full game. Uh, it's not great, but it's it's really it's not the worst game ever made. That's that's an, uh, when you it's think about it's not just a matter of it's programming. Not Custer's Revenge. Exactly. <laughs> There's also the fabrication I of the cartridge ask, but you threw it out to get it out good. there yeah. as well. So that's a that's an incredibly it, fast time. It was it was it was hey, you have 3 weeks to turn around a complete product and it and we're talking about a time where you didn't have hundreds of millions of dollars going into the development of the game. You had one, maybe two people developing an entire video game at the time. And uh, uh, this is one guy working for Atari who gets this project, gets a, a, a script. There wasn't even a movie yet. Uh, and he's like, here, make a game. And he did. Was it a great game? No. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, Warner Brothers was, and this is always what's always worried about whenever Warner Brothers picks up a new property, is that Warner Brothers was breathing down the neck to just get new stuff out every single day. Because Warner was involved with Atari, but E.T. was a universal film. Yeah, but Warner had bought Atari in uh, 78, I think. And just craziness. Yeah, okay. But yeah. So we're getting a documentary on the Xbox network. The thing I have not been able to determine is, are they going to sell the cartridges off that they've unearthed? 
I don't know if there's been time yet to prove are they even playable. I don't know. Yeah, so there, I, there's a I saw that you were interested. It's like, it's like you are a glutton for punishment. This is like, yeah. but this is why Plan Nine from Outer Space still sells. Yeah. People still buy copies of that. Hey, have you seen the, the 3D colorized version? It is no joke. It is amazingly good. They showed it at Cinequest two years ago. We have a different definition yes. of amazingly yes. and good. <laughs> it's it's shockingly good, and the trailer for the sequel is even better. He did say it's coming. Yeah, I know. Mr. Lobo is in it. Yes. Yeah. But, Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. <laughs> Lord. Oh. There's no hope for humanity. Let us go ahead and be wiped off the face of the planet. But not before you uh, finish off on 350. So uh, I thank all of our fabulous guests uh, today, this afternoon, and our live studio audience. Our people here at Seven Stars Bar and Grill. Clappy, clappy. Thank you so much for attending 350. We, I don't know how we got here. We'll keep on Persistence. going. It's been a long, strange journey. journey you know, and the, the you know this, this. Uh, this is 3,228 days I know you put that. since you and Goodson did the first podcast, which is exactly 8.82 <laughs> years. Wow. <laughs> You have a real problem. I could have done something <laughs> with my life. Uh, exactly 8.82. Exactly 8.82357. Mr. Feelgood. Okay. Well, speaking of feeling good, if you'd like to, uh, you can, of course, listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on the Stitcher app. Find us on the website. You can, uh, wherever you're finding us, rate us, tell your friends, recommend us. All, all those things, and subscribe. Uh, you can go to the www.fanboyplanet.com and you can pick up many of the things we've talked about on the podcast on Amazon links helpfully provided there. Or, of course, if you are near a comic book shop, uh, you know, uh, except for Chris and Black Cat, uh, if you are near a, a, comp- a local comic book shop, check with them first because we do want to keep the comic book shops alive. In particular, Hijinks Comics, uh, The Comic Bug, Earth 2 Comics, and Elusive up here. Uh, hijinks as well in Willow Glen, as I mentioned. Uh, but check on the Amazon link. You can also, uh, if you like what you're hearing and you feel like you uh, want to help us defray the cost of, of hosting, you can, of course, donate on the PayPal bet button, so bright and shiny off to the upper right-hand corner. We should give them the a certificate when they, when they donate. That's, Something we can print out and send. Like I, a no prize. I email you know? a, a thank you. Uh, you know, and that's, that's good. Um, so, uh, all right, you can design a certificate. You I'll design time. a certificate. Gentlemen of leisure. Thank what you. about uh, an iron-on? Uh, well, an iron-on picture of Chris Garcia. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's if you don't and, donate. Oh, yeah. This <laughs> is, this is, our, our donations just went down. Uh, into negative numbers. People are actually trying to withdraw from my PayPal account. Uh, so, uh, anyway, that's it. We thank you so much. If you have questions, comments, compliments, commentary... Criticism, things that will drive us forward to another 350 episodes, please write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. In the meantime, uh, I'm Derek Picard, editor in chief. Everybody who's here, thank you. Go ahead. Name Jason yourselves. Salazar. Christopher J. Garcia. Drew Campbell. I am Dave Casta. <laughs> and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast.
Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. Hi, this is Todd Lucas. And BJ Fairchild of Eternity. Reminding you to use your power. Only for good! We are recording now. All right. Don't say anything that you could be sued for. Sued for. <laughs> Garcia takes a spot. Jason takes a spot. Like a, we'll bring Drew in at the time. I'm an old hat at this. I've done this before. That's <laughs> right. I help them every <laughs> once in a while. There you go. Ah, not that. Oh, I'm all tangled. What the hell are you doing? Oh, great. You went and did. There you go. Oh, now you ruined everything. I always ruin everything. Okay, that's true. It's what I do. I want to hear Jason. I can't hear it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You're great. Just stay like that. You're you're actually pretty good on okay. staying on the mic. Okay. My headphones just went dead. Um, okay. I'm getting like one oh, yeah, mine did too. and pops. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm blaming Jason. There, oh, there they something. are. Because there they of the way we're wired tonight, you may lose like one or the other just because I had to use a, a third splitter. That's fine. Oh, fine. All so, right. I'm the okay. speakers, I, I did a whole people. cast where I couldn't hear you guys at all. So just, that was, <laughs> all right, just, I don't have headphones for any of my podcasts. That's so. A, <laughs> just so you know that it, it, no, no matter what you hear, it's being recorded much better than uh, that. We're gotcha. Getting, now we're theory, I'm picking anyway. it down a little bit because I'm hearing a little bit of feedback on the speaker. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it shows in, up somewhere. It always shows up somewhere. It goes in the outtakes after we sign off. Felicia's Nothing. in my pocket. Yeah, Internet Archive Felicia's has a full in, run of it. Felicia's <laughs> in my pocket. When, that's a, when that's a really dies, old callback. There's a hard drive that will automatically it's a it's like, it's like a ten-year-old when call. his heart I know, stops beating. All this embarrassing I, I go stuff with what will RSS out. You know, <laughs> dragons. It's dragons. why we keep Rick alive. What? What? Oh, hold on now. This just got dark. I thought the serum kept me alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I paid that. Nathan. Hello. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready when you are. I'm okay. ready on your point. Derek's going to do a quick rundown of the agenda for today. All right. So uh, we are going to uh, start off by introducing everybody. We are um, going to change the agenda up just a little bit in order because we were planning to bring our guest on at 2.15. Yeah. So we'll continue that. We'll just start off with the guest once we get the introductions going. Good. So, um, uh, yes, so Nate, be ready to make that call. Yes. And uh, so then we're going to talk about Comixology having uh, changed its iPad, iPod app. Oh. The Eisner nominations are out. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. We'll play the rare game of what's in the bag in which we've actually read the comics we're talking about. Maybe wow. keep it down to two this week just because we, I know we're That's the one back. thing I forgot. I forgot to bring comics, but I remember what I bought. I am sure you did. So uh, we, there was a big conversation about WonderCon and sexism. Uh, we should talk about uh, the death of Wolverine because really they mean that. And uh, Wally, sure they do. Wally West is returning, and he is uh, now African American. <laughs> I am so excited. I really am. That's me yanking the. <laughs> yeah, and I went dead for a moment. I'm still here. Let's record. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wrap that around your throat. I know. And uh, just do your little bay. I know. Okay. Uh, I can still yank from here. It's great. And uh, you know, Battlestar Galactica is getting revived uh, mm-hmm. as a movie. Uh, this time with Glenn Larson back on. Uh, we talk about the further casting of Superman, Batman. Someday we'll make this movie. <laughs> Um, I figured, uh, since I've seen almost all of you guys post the trailer, it's worth talking about just a moment of basking in the glory of Wolf Cop. 
<laughs> Wolf Cop, yeah. Yes, we're going to talk about Marvel tech support. Then we're going to talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a little Sharknado 2, and then uh, video games, the E.T. Archaeological Dig. Oh. And we see some people have come in costume and have more come in. And, of course, there's always Stump the Zorlak whenever Rick gets bored. So we open up. Now it's have... time for Stump the Zorlak. No. <laughs> oh. Oh, come on. You're already bored. All right. Your I timing am. is Im- it's packable. It's packable. Oh, yeah, it's packable. It's mostly packable. <laughs> it's mostly packable, yes. It's not impeachable. Uh, I normally just I sit here while they talk comics, and I just go like, ooh. Nathan. <laughs> yes, hello. Are right. you ready? You, I think we've lost a little volume on you. I'm ready. This is, uh, this is me at full volume. Yeah, a little more enthusiasm. Turn the enthusiasm no, up like no, two no, points. No, that's Th- plenty. This is how Nathan no. interviews people. Too. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> okay, you ready? I'll point to you. In three. In three, two, one. Listen up, fanboys. This is the Fanboy Planet Podcast, episode 350. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah. You know what was great about that? We didn't have to tell the audience to applaud ahead of time. No, that was nice. Use your powers only for good. And scene. Helps to know the tagline. Uh, You haven't been here before. That's true. (laughs) We usually prep better for that. (laughs) So what we do, we say it. We should have told them something completely different. That was fun. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Oh, it was great having you, man. Thanks. That was tremendous stuff. Thank you. That was we a could blast. Talk, we could talk that era of gaming, too, for hours, oh I'm sure. Oh, my God. I'm sure we could. 